computer G D Lockyajai. Steve, do you know where that that movie mm. that line is from? Which movie? Oh, Name that movie. The, the, for some reason, the second half is more familiar than the first half. It's uh, I can't. Uh, okay, wild guess. Is it? Uh, is it Carter? Nope. <laughs> okay, what is it? I'll give you a clue. Okay. Uh, it was a recent framed movie. Oh. Like maybe in the past week or so. Okay. Uh, yeah. We saw, okay. Recently maybe 10 I saw, days. I, okay, there was like La La Land. Mm-hmm. And there nope. was, I think, um, uh, there was a, uh, oh, M- Walter Mitty? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you want to hear the line again? Yeah, sure. All right. Do it's it. Computer G D Lokyajai. What the fuck? <laughs> it's all a right. line I quote randomly all the time. All right, I think you're just gonna have to give it to me, okay. and then I'm then I'm gonna be like, oh right, of course. Yeah, it's a uh, it's Slumdog Millionaire. Oh yeah, okay, <laughs> yes, yes, that yes. is okay. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I got that one in one in in that's frame. Beautiful. By the way. Yeah, but that's the, what the host always says. And then, you know, there's actually like a clip of it on YouTube. And I, I was really so happy. say that? Yeah, because I'm, um, and somebody translates it. So what he's actually saying is he's, when he, he says computer G, he's like referring to the computer as a person. So, oh. yeah, but then he says the letter, which is what they pick. So, you know, it's D. And then Lokyajai means like lock in the answer. Lock in your vote. Yeah. 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 Oh, lock yeah. in your vote. Oh. <laughs> God, I love that guy. Yeah, he's so good. I I remember during the awards circuit, you know, mm-hmm. when you know for getting their Oscar and everything, mm-hmm. he was so excited to be up there on the stage and just like so proud. And he would like, you know, get, say something really compelling and hold up the Oscar, and like <laughs> want wanted you could feel that he wanted to get a big applause, and then like. That would be it, and they'd walk off. But I, and I feel like he had a moment during the speech where he did that, you know, like like he said, "This was Slumdog Millionaire" or something like that. But <laughs> he then was made for it. Yeah, but then before they, he started to walk off. But then someone like killed the momentum and like came onto the mic and then said more thank yous. So, oh so, man! So, so then he had to like insecurely stand there and like, mm-hmm. oh, I I missed my moment. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Guy. Yeah, I think his name is um, Anil Kapoor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's his name. Yeah, shout so, out. Yeah, yeah, well-known yeah. actor. Yeah, fucking badass. He is a badass. Uh, well, 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 well. You know, what? I do have a quote for you. This is kind of okay. like 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 a loose thread. <laughs> All right, let's um, do it. A couple episodes back, we were doing. Um, well, I'll just I'll play I'll play this audio clip, and you just tell mm-hmm. tell me where it's from. Okay, here we go. Let's go. I can't believe this. You can't even trust your own parents anymore. I'm going to get a guard dog and a bazooka. This is just wonderful. <laughs> perfect ending to a perfect day. Of course, I quoted that line for the episode. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm going to get a guard dog and a bazooka. That's Secret Admirer. <laughs> mm, 1985 Secret Admirer. Yes, That's absolutely. That's a, a great app. Yeah. Good job, I, Carlo. I, Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I'll come up with something that you'll guess to in, in future episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I'll probably get one out of every three, but yeah, <laughs> I'm on it. That's a good batting average. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, three, three, three. I'm doing That's okay. Good. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I. I mean. Yeah. It's. It's weird to me how it's not like the key lines of dialogue or even like the key movies where mm-hmm. that people quote all the time that I remember. It's just those mm-hmm. random things. Like yeah, the, the thing why I think most people don't identify that that line from Slumdog is because yeah, it's part of the tapestry of the show, in mm-hmm. the movie. So it's like why would you remember, that right? So. <laughs> yeah, and um. And for some reason, I didn't want to just go racist on it, like, like, <laughs> yeah, like something sure. about it sounded Indian. Uh-huh. But, there, but but I had like a like a little mechanism that was like, mm-hmm. no, don't go there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like it's an autocorrect for racism. But, yeah, but you know, like like I don't think Movie Food is a racist podcast, but I, I definitely no. think we are a we are a racial embracing podcast. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, like like we like that kind of stuff. It's okay. Oh yeah. For sure, yeah. It, yeah it's yeah. A, it's a safe zone to discuss that on yeah. movie food, for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, well, welcome back, Steve. Uh, how have mm. you been, dude? I've been good. It's been yeah. it's been an interesting little chunk of time, and really appreciate the app you guys uh, you did with Bill. The the I believe you described him as venerable, and I think we'd also yes. described him as like the almighty Bill Scurry or the yeah. mighty Bill Scurry. He, yeah. uh, you, you guys have obviously great rapport, and that was a really fun app to listen back to. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been getting some good feedback about that episode too, and we'll definitely have Bill back uh, for a future episode. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's good to have you back, Steve. And um, you know what? We're going to try something different this episode. Whoa. Yeah, so normally what we do is we do, um, you know, uh, the quick cuts and then um uh like we discuss a, a single movie but mm-hmm. a feature yeah yeah a feature you know we lead into that but today what we're gonna do is one long extended quick cuts. yeah so it's something completely different um yeah, yeah and uh you know we appreciate people's feedback if you guys like this we'll probably do some more in the future you know because sometimes you don't need that that one anchor, you know. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're you're good with with just random stuff, and you know, just like dipping your toe into different things. Exactly, and you know, we're also I feel like we're in the dog days of summer, and you know, it's been a long sojourn. I I got the big CVD, and you know, and the, and and um, I'm fine. Everything right. was fine, but. In in just in just the slow recovery of coming out of the brain fog and all that, I ended up just ripping through a bunch of movies, which I, I honestly haven't gone through this volume of movies uh, in quite a while. I was actually pretty impressed with myself, and it nice. kind of helped dig me out of the hole. And I oh, so that's great to hear. And so I'm hoping you've seen at least a chunk of these, and then I'm sure you've also seen a bunch of additional films. So it's like, yeah, let's just pick. We'll just kind of popcorn around and discuss all these things. Let's do it. Let's live up to our name, Movie Food. Okay. All right. So do you want to start? I kind of do. So Okay, go ahead. um, I want to start. I got around to seeing what was at the time, I think, your front runner for Mm -hmm. best movie of 2022, at least the front half of 2022. Okay. I saw uh, Triple R. Oh, Nice. And um, obviously, it's a super long movie, and um, it's kind of not a movie I, I, I'd want to go beat by beat through, you know, 
yeah. similar, you know, like, For like sure. it's a lot more fun to go beat by beat through like commando, you know, it's right. like something, something that's 85 minutes, 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this thing is a whopper. And so just general thoughts. The second scene is incredible where I think his name is Rama. Is that the mm-hmm. handsome guy? Yes. With Ram? the mustache. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The mustachioed Rama. gentleman, Rama. That second yeah. scene where he's ripping through all the Indian people yeah. um, that that are behind the chain link fence to kind of get one guy that the British dude wants. Right. Um, I was blown away by that scene. Yeah. Um, Incredible. So, yeah, to me, that and just having that at, at scene two, really smart, super great hook. Uh, it, made, it made me want to see where the rest of the movie was going. Then the obviously the bridge scene is incredible. Yeah, um, and that's actually when the title shows up, which is like I don't know if it's uh, half an hour into the movie or forty five right. minutes in. It takes a yeah. long time to get to the title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, and just last kind of just general thought, just the use of slow motion. Yeah, you know, obviously there's um, you know, a lot of films over the last chunk of years, you know. 25 whatever hmm. uh, you use a ton of slow-mo but there was something about the way they did it here i don't know it just seemed more artful yeah um and interesting yeah uh, and uh actually i heard a podcast recently with uh the director um ss rajamuli hmm. uh it, he was on this um uh, it's joe dante and josh olson's podcast uh, mm-hmm. movies that made me so mm-hmm. it's like um he talks about like his favorite films, but obviously he he had to limit the focus to just uh, western films because he he probably felt the hosts had never seen the Indian movies, even though that sure. that would have been yeah. interesting to hear. But uh, he talks about specifically Braveheart <laughs> being a, an inspiration for that slow mo because he that was the first time he ever saw that like in the action sequences where you know it would start in normal motion and then it would it would become slow motion midway through an action like say a swing mm-hmm. of a sword or or um uh, a hammer or what are those mm-hmm. like those massive mallets that they had you know because oh, yeah. that was one of my favorite things about Braveheart too when seeing the behind the scenes that uh where you see the sausage getting made was the mm-hmm. the hammer actually had blood in it so when it hit you on the head like the blood would burst from the hammer oh smart like, cool. yeah yeah yeah, but these were like sledgehammers, not just like, yeah, you know, regular hammers. But yeah, yeah, him just talking about that. Yeah, but he took it to another level, especially with that scene that you're talking about, because there's parts where the you know it slows down, um, and then it speeds back up again. And yeah, he he's he's just firing on all cylinders with this film. Um, and I, I think I mentioned when I first brought up the movie that I'd seen his previous uh, previous film of his called uh, Icha. Or the fly, uh, which is also an incredible. It's not as action packed, but uh, it's more of a love story. But when he does do action scenes in it, it's amazing. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's, it's worth seeking out if people want to delve more into uh, his filmography because it's not that many. I think he's only directed maybe four or five films. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's worth uh, delving into. And yeah, Steve, you just gave me an alley oop. Too, Ooh. because we're talking about best films or my favorite films of the year so far. Uh, yeah, this was my favorite, and you're right to date it because uh, I've I've surpassed it. <laughs> there's what? there's a movie, 
Yeah, that's unthroned uh, Rise uh, Roar Revolt. <laughs> I'll just call it by its full right. title. Um, yeah, uh, and uh, it's actually another quote from another movie that I would use to introduce it, which is, is there a Mr. Carter in the room? <laughs> <laughs> so that's from Get Carter, but the movie I'm talking about is Carter, yes. which I believe you also saw. I've seen this. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. We're two for two here. This is nice. feeling good. Yes, I, I saw Carter on your recommendation. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, yeah, I was just blown away by it. Uh, I can't even remember how I found out about it, but I'd seen um, the movie directed uh, by the director before this one called The the Villainess, mm-hmm. uh, which was also impressive. It was uh, especially like the opening sequence of it where it's all like first person perspective and it's an action sequence yeah uh and it's incredible and then you also see um this bike chase where there's a fight going on which is very similar to the one in uh john wick (laughs) three and i i'm sure they were what they had seen this movie you know and got inspiration Mm -hmm. from it i mean john wick's uh, scene is is its own thing but yeah um but yeah there's there's a lot of similarities you can do like a side by side but uh, I was blown away by this because it's just so relentless. You know, it, it's made to look like it's it's one continuous shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, obviously there's like hidden cuts in it. And I don't think that's the point. Like they're not really trying to make it seem like, uh, oh, wow, look at this technical feat that we're do- doing that it makes it look like it's it's one whole shot. I think it, it's yeah. more the experience of it being relentless and like this taking place in a short um amount of time yeah. and that there's this you know this thing like pushing them forward like the short sheer momentum like once the movie gets started like it it th- barely lets up until like basically the final third there's like a flashback sequence and like i think that's the mm-hmm. only time where it kind of slows down a little bit right but other than that like it just keeps going <laughs> it yeah. just yeah the action yeah. is pretty much non-stop yeah, that yeah, that flashback scene and then earlier in in the airplane scene there's like a little bit of a breather I think mm. when when j- just some um dialogue is happening. Right. You know, but but still the intensity is there. And you know, so my first thought in watching it was was um how are they f- filming this? Mm. Um you know, it was like it was very confusing and but fun for me to try to like think about the production side, like it didn't take mm-hmm. me out of it. I actually w- was enjoying the content while trying to figure it out. You know, like were they using handhelds? Were they switching back to like drones? And mm. um, just like what was happening? Cause, yeah. cause yeah, like especially at yeah, the first 45 minutes, it goes in and out of like, you're kind of like hovering in the space with the characters. Mm-hmm. And then it would go into the first person and you're, seeing what they're seeing as as you're walking through a corridor or jumping out a window or something. Right. And so yeah, I'm curious like I'm I'm not as well versed in that style like you know it, it the movie also reminded me of a video game. Sure. Yeah. That's... You know just like it had that re- kind of relentlessness like a video game would yeah. where your the character doesn't get tired. <laughs> you kind of go from crazy thing to crazy thing. Mm-hmm. And you talk to somebody and they just kind of give you the, the next assignment and you're like, mm-hmm. all right. Um, yeah. And so I'm just curious, like, have you seen that before? Have you seen that kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, are they using drones? Is it mm-hmm. handhelds? Like, 
like what like what's happening oh it, it's definitely like a combination of different techniques you know sometimes i think the camera is is on steady cam sometimes it's on a jib you know mm-hmm. uh, i'm sure there's just even possibilities that they um they hand off the camera i've seen that mm-hmm. been done before um and then yeah there there are those cuts and sometimes they're pretty obvious actually you can sense it like especially when the camera kind of goes out of focus or um uh it like hits something you know like a door right. or a, you know that's yeah. when you know like there's a cut um but yeah it's funny you mentioned video game because that's also in my notes like mm-hmm. the way that i kind of i guess the the elevator pitch of the movie is like Video game meets Saw and all the Mission Impossibles put together. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's yeah. the elevator pitch for Carter. That's pretty good. Yeah, because the, yeah. Saw, the Saw aspect is that he's got this thing in his head. And you know, if he doesn't totally. do what the voice says, it's going to explode and kill him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, and it, it's also interesting, again, like another commonality that has with the triple r is that it's got bad english acting <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it was wild because like you know i was i put this down in my notes like there was um it was like question mark camilla bell lookalike and i'm a big fan of camilla bell like you know hmm. she was uh the little girl in the lost world in the opening scene where she sees the little like compies like those little annoying dinosaurs and she gets attacked mm-hmm. That's her <laughs> at the beginning oh, of Lost yeah. World. Yeah, where it's like, look, I found something. And then um, she was in a, a a few bad movies. Like she was in this movie where um, uh, she was the younger version of Jordana Brewster in this movie called Invisible Circus. And okay. uh, she was in a, a bad remake of, I, I think the original was also bad anyway, of uh, When a Stranger Calls. But I watched it anyway because I love her. And like you know, I hadn't seen her in any movies in a while, and oh, yeah. I thought it was a lookalike. And then it turns out it was actually her. Like she, this is yeah. what she's doing now: international, you know, cool. co-productions. <laughs> um, go. Yeah, and a good choice in in, yeah. in film too. And I think I I put down Raid Two as well as like a reference uh, for the uh-huh. movie, um, just because yeah. of just they're really pushing it with the action. Like uh, yeah, yeah the, some of it I. I've never seen before and like there's yeah. so many things that are happening like on moving vehicles. Yeah. <laughs> Let's I want to talk about a couple of those. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, with and you know, without without overly spoiling, I, yeah. I think, you know, some of the movies I think we're going to talk about t- today we should probably be a little more careful cuz they're sure. relatively new. Mm-hmm. Although I love spoiling. Oh, yeah, God, right. My favorite. <laughs> um, so the um the va- the the first kind of unique scene that I thought uh, was th- there's a there's like I think three vans on a mm-hmm. road. Yes, and they're yes. kind of going in between the vans. Mm-hmm. Both doors open on the side, on on each side, so they can yeah jump between three vehicles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that. That's just a great Incredible. idea. Yeah. Um, the way it's shot, you know, the camera's going into vans and mm-hmm. you know away from vans and then coming back. I love, uh, you know, there's a, a certain action part where he, like, rubs a guy's face <laughs> uh, uh, on, in a certain area <laughs> yeah. um, that uh, yeah. was pretty amazing. Like, mm-hmm. I'll always remember that. Like, I was yeah. like, oh, I've never, I've never seen that before. <laughs> um, and then, obviously, the whole airplane sequence. 
right was um pretty startling i was just really enjoying it and then when they got to the end part of the airplane sequence i was i was just dumbfounded um <laughs> and you know i was already in on the movie and, and the airplane sequence is i think about an hour in yeah you know the movie the movie's maybe a little long in yeah. the tooth like like it, mm-hmm. like it, it doesn't it, does, it like that doesn't have to be two hours it could have been cut down in some spots yeah but man at, yeah that airplane scene i was just so in yeah <laughs> yeah it, that's why yeah the mission impossible aspect of him riding outside of the plane <laughs> yeah it's like um yeah it's all Holding there on. and uh but yeah i definitely agree that it's it's a flawed movie even mm. though it is my number one, but I accept it for its flaws. You know, it's like um, yeah, the the bad acting. Um, the there's not really much in terms of character development, and if there is, it's like yeah. very cliched. And yeah. but I do like that it has that relentless pace through most of it. Like, yeah, I could do without the flashback. Like, I didn't need to see that yeah. whole whole thing of his backstory and everything. Like, yeah. it it didn't really matter to me. Like, you know, just yeah. um, uh questions first answers later like i don't need the answers uh just throw it out um yeah, yeah. like like the, the more mysterious sort of the better i guess mm-hmm. at times yeah like you never found that out yeah 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 i thought it, it made north korea look really beautiful <laughs> yeah. And, yeah and and at times i was like oh is this a north is this a north korea propaganda movie mm. <laughs> like I, at times you know only because i've heard over the last you know year or so more about how Chinese cinema, especially action films, have they've been putting out more of what you could describe as like Chinese propaganda films sure. against, you know, like uh, against the uh, the U.S. and using American stars like Frank Grillo or I don't know if you'd, if you'd consider him a star, but but yeah, certainly an American actors, because mm-hmm. um, you know it's it seemed like the mission was to break into North Korea, where people were healthier and they were doing important research for the, for this virus or whatever that was affecting the South Koreans and the rest of the world. So it was almost like this weird, like, Oh, is North Korea like the one place that's not being affected or like, like what's happening? Well, there was definitely parallels with, with real world circumstances, right? That, that, yeah. Uh, that was the other thing when the pandemic broke out on, now we're gonna get the sorry I mentioned the word we're now gonna get the blue thing on um on Spotify <laughs> but oh, you yeah, know, when, oh, the, oh yeah, yeah 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 when this mysterious world event that affected everybody <laughs> happened a couple yeah, years ago um that was one of the things that that North Korea boasted about that they were like zero like they didn't have any and then like everybody was like well yeah because anybody who got infected like got killed. <laughs> that's oh. that's how they kept it clean was that you know they were murdering the people who got sick so um, damn yeah yeah that's, that's pretty nasty right so um <laughs> yeah i mean i do like that it, it plays upon this because i mean you know it, it's always a thing that um i think in in korean cinema and even tv shows because you know it's addressed in uh i don't know if you've seen squid game yeah 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 it. like there's a character in squid game where you know she defected from from North Korea. So it does exist. They do address it in, in South, because this is obviously a movie from South Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, the w- oftentimes it's kind of ignored. It's almost like, oh, it's just this other part of the country, but it's not the same country, but they speak the same language as us. And like, they, it's just, 
this kind of far away thing where yeah you know it, it's two extremes where you have like this dictatorship and then you have basically this first world where um you know the, the it's been widely publicized that south korea has the fastest internet in the world you know wow. so yeah and they also have like some of the best gamers like the best like fighting games uh mm. the best at fighting games or the best at um like uh what is it league of legends like those kind of games Ooh. um yeah so they they definitely are tops in a lot of things and um you know they're, they're very privileged and they have access mm-hmm. to a lot of things that uh um sometimes they take for granted uh but yeah i like how the movie plays upon that uh yeah. of just that idea and i mean i guess one last thing before we move on to the next thing uh I do also like because you know exposition is always the thing that slows everything down when they're explaining yeah. what's going on but because it's basically a prolonged chase movie similar to you know Mad Max Fury Road like all the explanations happen along the way and that's what they actually praised the original Terminator for being was that you know like when uh, Reese is explaining everything to um Sarah Connor it's always like they're they're still running away from the Terminator you know, yeah. they're not, like, stopping to, like, have this yeah. discussion. Like, he's explaining all the Skynet stuff while they're in the car and, and Arnold's, like, chasing after them. You know? Totally. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's the way to do it. Like, you know, everybody should be taking notes. Um, If you're making action movies, don't have a scene where characters are explaining everything. Like, and then they're just yeah. standing in a room. Like, yeah. yeah, have them be moving. Like, have it be part of the action sequence. Yeah. You know? I thought it was, re- it was really cool. You know, the front half of the movie where, you know, there, you know, there's a voice in his ear. Yeah. And that voice can be kind of dropping information, but he's moving and he's not interacting with that person that much. Right. Like, I, it, it just, yeah, it makes it fun. It makes mm-hmm. it faster. Yeah. And it's, in, and it's, um, yeah, it's intense. And it also, you know, obviously it kind of reminds you a little bit of like the Matrix, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. where they're on, on, the phone you know right or, or or they can hear people while they're kind of in the matrix or whatever yeah um the one thing i noticed so my my kind of just final thoughts on carter um i do think we enjoyed it in i'm gonna make this be m- more from like my perspective i think i enjoyed it based on when i saw it sure so what what i mean is you were the only person who had told me about it like i i hadn't really heard it heard about it so for and in watching it it had a little bit of that oh i've discovered a band yes kind of yeah, a vibe right. yeah you for know sure. um and so it made me enjoy it more and made me want to like share it with my friends more and be like hey i'm watching this movie it's crazy mm-hmm. it's awesome and then like later like maybe a week later my friends finally get around to watching it and they can't get through it. Like my <laughs> my one friend texted me. He's like, "This thing's making me nauseous. Can I, can I turn it off?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's just if it's making you sick, it's just gonna make you sick the whole time." Right. Stop it. Yeah. And then and then I look at the ratings mm-hmm. and like the internet does not like Carter. Like wow. Like on on, on IMDb, it has a five point one. Yeah, very average. Um, you know, I'm 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 sure it's pretty poor on Rotten. Mm-hmm. And then I did just like a quick t- Twitter search of Carter on mm-hmm. on Netflix, and like the overwhelming comments that I saw was this thing's making me nauseous. <laughs> so it was so it, it 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 was a little interesting just to kind of get that like oh, you know we might be slightly unique in being able to mm-hmm. tolerate that kind of camera work and intensity, right? 
and it's kind of a movie that you're you're either in or you're out on and it's kind of which what kind of makes me like it more it's like okay like this movie made a bold choice and i'm in mm-hmm. um and you know it might not hit it, it, it might not be that for a lot of people but uh i enjoyed it wow yeah i mean i didn't even know that i guess i was like just existing in a vacuum in terms of, I never really checked the, how other people felt about it. Well, I guess the only, the closest that I got was, um, you know, just doing a kind of a snarky review, which I'm going to fill in. <laughs> I, I don't like doing those types of reviews on, on Letterboxd, but uh, sure. I'm going to add more to it because, you know, it's it's in my notes for this show as well. But, uh, but yeah, that was really it. Like, uh, that was the only time. And most of the people I know that I, like... Um, or my mutual follows on on Letterbox, none of them had seen it, so I only basically had like one or two people, and there were people that I don't necessarily agree with on a regular basis either. But I liked sure. seeing their opinion, so I was just like, okay, maybe it wasn't for them. But man, yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, it it kind of came and went. Like, there's no no real um, like fanfare about it, but you know my takeaway was like man somebody's yeah. actually making good decisions at netflix especially since they've had such a brutal year mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like wow yeah. it yeah. is good for them to have this you know um, totally yeah and, yeah so i'm yeah i'm curious you know so obviously we, we both really enjoyed it it mm-hmm. has its flaws and so i'm curious about the stickiness of it like mm-hmm. will it stick in that top slot all mm-hmm. year Right. Or will something, or will it get easily knocked off? Or will will we go? Will, right. Would you go back to to triple R? Mm-hmm. You know, b- just based on the I don't know. R, triple R still has that like uh, I don't know well madeness. <laughs> oh sure, like that, yeah, yeah. That it has like a you know a, polish. You know, a, a polish. Yeah, on it. exactly. Yeah, for it's, sure. And you know, um, the the characters in, in in triple R are are pretty great, and they're pretty you know arc archetypal archetypal yep um even though the end like there's a big chunk of the middle of the movie I, that i kind of forget mm. you know but um whereas carter like i just remember okay i remember this scene i remember this scene i remember this scene <laughs> yeah they get to the train mm-hmm. and then they're repelling from helicopters and that totally <laughs> looks like a video game and yeah, then, that and, then was it ends, incredible. And, and then it ends on a cliffhanger yeah, literally. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I will say that too. Like, um, uh, I like that. Um, I like that ending a lot because it it could have gone for well, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but it could have gone for an easy out, mm-hmm. and I'm glad mm-hmm. that that's how it ended. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I I, I want to table that uh, point that you brought up about um, for later. It's gonna come up again. Yeah. Just this idea of stickiness, longevity. Like all those things, I'll, I'll bring it up later uh, when we get okay. to uh, a later segment. Um, but Beautiful. yeah, what else have you been watching, Steve? All right, man. Um, so another movie that I saw, um, I think you you saw it too, mm-hmm. is Jordan Peele's Nope. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. So Jordan Peele's Nope, very interesting movie. My general takeaway you know, before we kind of get into it, if we want to get into it was I didn't necessarily enjoy watching it. Wow. Um, okay. <laughs> like, 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 like there were times where, where I was interested, but there were a lot of times where I was really bored. Mm. Um, I don't know. Um, I was a little just like, get to it, get to it, get to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But I will say, similar to Licorice Pizza, which I didn't necessarily enjoy watching that one too. Mm. Um, I've I've enjoyed kind of living in the post watch of Nope life. You know, like like I'm driving on the freeway and I look up at the clouds and I'm like <laughs> kind of freaked out by the clouds, yeah. and then I'm like wondering what's behind that mountain and just the general idea, you know, of you know, obviously, I think people know at this point that it's UFOs, but they might not know the twist of it. So I don't want right. to give it away. Yeah. But just that twist on what the thing is, is pretty freaky. Sure. It's a pretty like, oh, that's kind of a, that's kind of a, gives me, a, gives me the groin chills kind of like feeling like, like, ugh. Yeah. You know, a little bit. And, and to kind of see those shots where it's like, there's a couple shots that look that look like you're looking through an aperture and it looks like there's like there's like fabric flowing on the outside and and then yeah. to kind of learn what that actually is. Yeah, the 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 title card, the opening title card it, it's, yeah. is through that and then you find out what that is. You find out what yeah. that is like mm-hmm. that's like mm-hmm. like that th- those scenes are very like ugh. Yeah. You know like um so it definitely has a creep factor, but right. so like I, so I actually really enjoy it now. I just didn't enjoy watching it, which mm. is like a weird combo. Yeah, maybe it might. It, uh, yeah, I'm curious if you rewatch it. Like, I, I guess we never mm-hmm. brought this up, Steve. But how often do you rewatch movies? Um, only since we started this podcast. Wow. <laughs> okay, mean, I, so you know, you're with, one and done. Uh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. Well. Well. Obviously, I used to watch. Well, no. Okay. I mean, that 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 that's. A little bit of a of a, well, that's a lot of a hyperbole because okay. back back in the day, obviously, I used to watch movies all the time that were on repeat on TV. But then since then, really, the movies I've watched the most were the movies I that I owned, which were like Braveheart, Saving Private Ryan, Half Baked, Starship Troopers, and then at some point, I kind of stopped owning movies. So then I kind of stopped rewatching. I probably have rewatched horror movies more like the thing yeah um so yeah i I definitely can see a world where where i would rewatch nope yeah for sure yeah it it seems like a movie that i feel over time it's just gonna be like a staple for Mm -hmm. um uh like uh, tv it's gonna show up on tnt all the time like it just feels like it's that type of movie or it's gonna be like a halloween type thing right because it's not gory no um yeah, so so it's it's it sounds like you you enjoyed it. Oh yeah, I mean I got like the full freight uh, theatrical experience. You know, I actually yeah. drove to Universal City and watched it. Um, you know, on the full IMAX screen. You know, not LIMAX. Mm-hmm. So I, I you know I, mm-hmm. I didn't settle for less. So that no. that was a big part of the experience was just seeing it. Yeah, and how like Jordan Peele used IMAX because um. Uh, oh, yeah, cool. it was a specifically shot with IMAX cameras. Well, certain sequences were obviously they couldn't shoot the entire movie that way because he would have been reaching like Christopher Nolan uh, yeah. budgets. But but he shot most of it in IMAX and especially the you know the main sequences that you remember in the yeah. movie, or and it it just used the verticality of the medium so well because you found mm. yourself like while you're watching it like looking up a lot, you know. That's really cool. Um, yeah, so I I thought that was great. Like, uh, I I don't think filmmakers like utilize that. That's like a, a very underrated 
um, technique that you can use where you can control where the viewer is looking in the frame. You know, mm-hmm. like oftentimes it, it's like people are still using the televisual language where it's just close up of a person, cut to another close up. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. that. that's what you see most of the time in terms of language. But uh, yeah, Jordan Peele understands that. And I really, cool. really didn't like his last movie, um, Us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, like there was no other way but up, you know, uh, no yeah, pun intended, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, like I thought like it couldn't have been if for, for Nope to be terrible for me would have been like, yeah, it, it's worse than us. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I think, yeah, he, he did really well, but yeah, I understand like it's, it's a flawed movie. Um, I, I even understand like the criticism that it, he may have been like trying to make two different movies and like forcing them together with the the whole um, plot relating to the um, the monkey. monkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is actually yeah, I do find it compelling. You know that whole scene. I mean, he opens mm. the movie with it, so it's like yeah. yeah, that that's the mystery that he establishes where that was more compelling than whatever that object mm-hmm. is in the sky. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't mind. I didn't mind any of that stuff mm-hmm. um yeah it was yeah i think if i would have got the full imax the full experience i think that would really would have made a difference yeah um yeah and then yeah so like you, you're not freaking yourself out at all like like when you're driving around and seeing clouds <laughs> or, 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 or well, nothing like that yeah you bringing that up made me think of it because uh you know it it's funny how you know your reality can be altered by a movie mm-hmm. You know, um, and I'm I'm struggling to think of like the last time that happened to me where I was just like I started looking at things differently yeah. after seeing a movie. Yeah. Well, um, like I can list a couple of like the main you know, you know obviously everyone knows Jaws mm-hmm. you know it, it just made everyone even scared to swim in a pool right and like you can kind of freak yourself out mm-hmm. just on your own there. Um, the shower scene in Psycho mm-hmm. for me after seeing. Um, Obviously, the ring. You know, anytime oh, you yes. would see st- you would see static right. on, on a TV was really scary. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really happen anymore, right? Um, and then also, I remember seeing um, uh, Blair Witch, right? And for some reason, the ending scene when you see the guy standing in the corner, and that and that like that. The information you got in the movie was like, okay, if you see a guy standing in the corner, <laughs> that means the witch is behind you and about to kill you. <laughs> yeah, and so then. I remember going home and like over that next week kind of thinking I'm seeing things in the corner and like, and like having that like visceral, Oh my God, something's behind me, you know? (laughs) So I I don't know. Is there anything in there that jogs your memory? Um, I mean, I would say probably contagion (laughs) was that movie, which you can technically (laughs) consider to be a horror movie. But yeah, when that came out, and I remember, uh, I, I guess I must have mentioned this in our Soderbergh episode that when he was doing interviews, he was like actually fear mongering a bit, you know, because we were wow. we were much safer back then, you know. It was like there, there yeah. was, we didn't have to worry about anything. But uh, yeah, but he was like, yeah, you know, um, washing your hands—that's probably good for like thirty minutes. You know, uh, using hand sanitizer might protect you for an hour. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Those are the type of things where you know you you start becoming a hyper hypochondriac. Um yeah. but I I was even thinking <laughs> this movie was altering your reality in terms of where it's set and the landscape because you know mm-hmm. it is that's a part of the valley, right? Where they shot it. Like it looks like Santa Clarita or somewhere 
North. Yeah, it could it could be yeah, it could be just like North San Fernando Valley. It could be like um Silmar or right. something. But then yeah, but or it could be like just beyond the uh you know, like in, in like Tahunga or something. Right. But then yeah, but then yeah, it definitely looks like anything past Magic Mountain. Right. Too. So it's yeah, it's like it feels like, oh, this is happening in Southern California, really. <laughs> <laughs> and I gotta ask you, Steve, how do you feel about them featuring uh the Burbank fries? Or no, no ho fries. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, yeah, fries was like the spot to go to to get a big stack of like a hundred blank CD, CDR or CDRWs. Right. And then you you would just you would just make mixtapes and burn things for for yeah, like that was the spot. Yeah, and man. It's, so it was it's kind of sad to learn that you know they they obviously highlighted fries, but fries went under. Yep. At the same time, um, it died a slow death though. Like it was around yeah. for a while, and then the stores were mostly empty. You know, like even yeah. just the shelves yeah. were bare bones. That that's the criticism that people have with this movie. It's like, oh, why aren't the shelves more empty? And like, how come they got seen right away? Like usually you have to line up to check mm-hmm. out fries. <laughs> but oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, there was definitely a nostalgia factor, and you know, another fun yeah. thing going to see it in the movie theater. So uh, at Universal City. Uh, City Walk, uh, you know that that IMAX AMC IMAX theater. They have a lobby that's kind of fancy, you know, like uh, their mm-hmm. their concession stand is different from the other AMC's. Um, but uh, they also have like displays of costumes, which also reminded me R.I.P. of the old ArcLight in Hollywood. You know, they would mm-hmm. also have like costumes in display in the lobby, and <laughs> one of the costumes was Brandon Perea's character's fries uniform. <laughs> Yes. I was like, wow, that's great. And I think, yeah, that's, that's awesome. really it. It's it's Jordan Peele's like nostalgic, you know, mm. homage. God. Yeah, to uh to Fry's RIP. Really yeah. Cute. Cause yeah, I lived good. Yeah, I lived in near a Fry's too growing up like uh, in the uh, city mm. of industry. So mm. that was my hangout too. It was like Amazon if it was a real store, you know? <laughs> like they had yeah. everything. And oh, yeah. it was so fun to walk through yeah. walk through a fries. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, yeah, I will say, yeah, I really did like Brandon Perea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it seemed it seemed like it's it, it seemed odd that he was helping them that fast. Like that part was a little yeah. Um, like you know, but but then you know, once once you kind of just get on, you know, you just have to just kind of get on board with the movie. And I think initially I didn't, I was struggling to get on board. Gotcha. But then, but yeah, once they got, to, I thought also yeah, again, it starts kind of starts slow. Once they get to it. It's like really exciting. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely I'll, I'll give it a, a second shot because I yeah I like any movie where you can go home and freak yourself out with something because of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know. Like I I am curious uh, what effect it has if it's still the same for me to watch it at home. You know, um, mm-hmm. but I would definitely that's definitely a movie I would only watch at night. Like I wouldn't want to watch it during the day. Like to get the full yeah. effect. You know, totally. Um, all right. Um, okay. So I, I guess it's my turn. Um, sure. Yeah. So I, I saw a movie actually so fresh. I only saw it yesterday. <laughs> so it, oh. it, it just recently came out uh, on wide release. And I think it's a movie that you would really enjoy, Steve. Uh, okay. It's called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Have you heard of it? Yes. I've heard of this. Yes. This is, uh, who's in it again? Uh, it's, 
Well, I mean, I guess the most well-known face is Pete Davidson. <laughs> right. Sad yeah. to say, but uh, I think the the entire cast is fantastic. Uh, cool. Did you ever see that really late Borat sequel that came out, you know, during the, the world event? <laughs> and it was about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, um, yeah, Borat 2. Yeah, yeah. So or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I can't remember his relationship to the younger girl. Is it his daughter or his sister? I can't uh, remember. Yeah. Okay. Here, I'll f- I'll yeah. figure it out. Well, <laughs> yeah. While, while well, the act. She was great in in that Borat movie. I think she was the best thing in it, actually. And uh, wait, she, she's in Bodies. Yeah, she's one of the ca- the girls. <laughs> and nice. I didn't even recognize her. I was like, she looks familiar, but um, she was giving off this kind of uh, uh who's the another actress that kind of looks like her? And this is another thing I've I've been thinking about, like you know, mm. certain vibes that actors have. And then I, I would like categorize them as having that vibe, but oh man, why am I blanking on, on what vibe she had? Um, uh, another blonde actress. Uh, is like, it? She kind, of, she kind of reminds me of like Brie Larson or something. Um, yeah, she could be. Uh, oh no. Um, oh god. Yeah. Who? Who is that? That yeah, that lady. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. She uh, has Anna, pa- Anna Paquin. Anna Paquin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She has that yes. look. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that's a, uh, so yeah, um, Maria Bakalova. That's her name, uh, and she is fantastic in the movie. Um, cool. Yeah, I think most of the cast is good. There's there's one actress. Uh, she plays Jordan, and um, uh, she's not as. Uh, um, yeah. I think uh, she she's probably one of the weaker performances in it, but in general, it's great. I mean, I'm I'm a big Lee Pace fan, you know. Um, shout out to Pushing Daisies, he's in it, and <laughs> I also love that you know uh, he kind of goes toe to toe against Pete Davidson, and you see them like stand like um you know mm-hmm. eye to eye, but Lee Pace is just so fucking tall that he towers <laughs> over Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson is already oh, cool. like six two, six three. So the fact that like Lee Pace stands and like looks down on him is crazy. Um nice. But yeah, it's a really enjoyable movie. I mean, I I kind of had reservations going into it because, you know, it it focuses on a generation that uh I can't really relate to, but I think yeah. They they did a good job. It's actually um uh directed by uh a veteran actress. Uh man, I'm blanking on her name. Uh, but yeah, she's she's been in a few movies, and I think this is her directorial debut. I want to say, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was actually based originally on a short story by um, Christine Rupinian. Uh, and if that name sounds familiar, it was because she she actually wrote a uh, a short story a few years ago that went viral. <laughs> like, how often Whoa. do you hear about that? Like a short story that goes viral. I don't know if you ever came across it, nah. Steve. It's called Cat Person. No, what's that? Uh, yeah. So I mean, part of the joy of reading, you can find it on online. Okay. Um, part of the joy of reading that short story is is not knowing where it goes. But I'll just say oh, cool. it relates to dating, <laughs> dating cool. in the modern age. Um, but yeah, apparently they they completely like um revamped the script. Like it it barely resembles what it originally was. Um, uh, so yeah, she but she still gets like the story credit for it um and the director's name oh actually it isn't her first film her first film is instinct 
but her name is Helena Ragin. I want to say that's how you mm-hmm. pronounce her last name. But uh, yeah, it's very well done. It's like it, it it's a. Uh, I guess you can say it's a horror, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it, <laughs> my whole thing is I just don't get scared easily. I've mentioned this before, yeah. so I mean, it looks it looks more like a comedy. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there's, uh, there's definitely black humor in it. Yeah, and okay. yeah, there's one like little bit that happens towards the end of the movie that had me laughing out loud. So I'll just say that. Oh, good. Okay, um, cool. But yeah, it, it's worth checking out. Like, I think the the cast is great. I mean, uh, especially uh, I guess she has like a scene stealing performance. Uh, people are already fans of her already. Her name is Rachel Senot. She was in this movie okay. called Shiva Baby. So yeah, she's okay. great. Cool. Um, but yeah, uh, and then there's like, oh, I will just say again, it's it's uh, the main issue with it. Like most of these movies that have like a central like mystery to it is how they resolve it you know like we talked about that with the episode on clue like yeah i'd rather see that like multiple possibilities of how (laughs) you know right yeah it was it kind of it kind of looks like a whodunit sort of like yeah in the setup yeah but if you if you just have a singular reason or ending you know it's just kind of well you know it takes the air Mm -hmm. out of the room and then you know it's like once you know where it's going like it it, did I don't know if it will hold up for a second viewing, you know, since that's our right. recurring motif for this episode. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think you would really enjoy this, Steve. Like, you know, cool. um, once it comes out on uh, streaming, yeah. you should check it out. Cool. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm looking for more. Like, I like, like, I, cu- I created a, a list of films like way back and I'm, I'm kind of cutting in, into them, which is nice. Nice. So cool. All right. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Yeah. So, yeah. What else have you been watching? So another one that um another one mm-hmm. that uh I saw and this is kind of a controversial one. Mm-hmm. Um so we may need to cut this. <laughs> okay. I don't know. We'll All right. see. I saw I saw um Alex's War. Oh, okay. I don't know I, I don't know if you've heard of this. No, I'm or not familiar with it at all. Okay. So there's a documentarian. Uh, I want to get her name right. Um Alex's War. I think her person who made the movie is also named Alex, but it's a, a woman. Her name is Alex Lee Moyer. Mm-hmm. She also made a documentary a couple years back that kind of got a little notoriety called TFW No GF. Oh, I heard of that. That was kind Yeah. That's kind of about incels mm-hmm. and about online kind of culture. Right. Uh, especially among uh, questionable young men, I guess you would yeah. suggest. Um, and so this movie is about Alex Jones. Oh wow, very timely. Yeah, the con- the c- very controversial figure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and timely because of you know he's now the verdict has come in and mm-hmm. he owes all these families up to like fifty million and yeah. you know it's very uh, very you know he kind of is a big you know he you know he's someone who just immediately puts people off. Mm. And so I was curious about this movie. Cause I had heard of, cause I'd follow, I follow Alex Lee Moyer. And so I was kind of curious, like, okay, well what's like, what's the vibe here? Like mm. what, like what's going to happen? And the movie ultimately is kind of just like, it's, it's a little slow. I would say okay. and it's kind of sh- tying the, the origins of like, where did Alex Jones come from? Right. Like from starting his career on public access radio in Austin covering the new world order and all this kind of stuff and like going after George Bush and going after 
what he thought were these kind of, uh, I don't know, things uh, that you would kind of see kind of covered through the movies like Eyes Wide Shut. Um, you know, just, you know, that, that, that there's some kind of underground secret society that that's being kept from the public and mm. that the world needs to know about it. And, you know, and Alex Jones was was featured in Richard Linklater's. Um, yeah, that's how I know him from uh, Waking Life. Waking yeah, Life. That yeah, that scene. <laughs> he has a very yeah. memorable scene. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, and the movie kind of starts there and just kind of it kind of cuts back and forth between old clips of him. Yeah. And then more recent clips of him at like the January 6th, you know, protest turned insurrection. Right. And then, and you know, him talking about Sandy Hook to him being in court and him talking about the whole thing. And so it's kind of left, um, you know, there's not a lot of narrative in the movie. So it's, 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 it's kind of a hard watch. As if Like you almost have to be either interested in what the story is or an Alex Jones fan to watch it. So like, I don't think a lot of people are, are going to watch it. Right. And also, and ultimately I thought it was kind of a little bit of, it could have been more interesting. Right. Unfortunately, like it could have had a little more zip, a little more poignancy, a little more like, uh, you know, it kind of just presented a smorgasbord of him and said, all right, you now make you now decide was the kind of the vibe I got. Mm. Whereas I feel like people have already decided, Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, like how they feel, like maybe make it a little more, um, I don't know. Like, I, I wish it had a little more of a narrative. So like, just like rather than talk about Alex Jones, I want to talk about the documentary. And, and I think it just like, yeah, just wish it had a little more of like a through line or, or, and it, it maybe did. And I missed it, mm. you know, like maybe the through line was, people are complicated or something as you know kind of vague i just wish i had a little more zip you know mm -hmm. yeah, yeah no i i get it and i mean you know um now that you're saying that it kind of takes some more like you decide objective approach that is one of the main knocks that people have against documentaries ironically enough that you know yeah. they don't want it to be objective like um uh mm -hmm. and also i guess the uh the implication of that is also that they let their subject take over and then mm -hmm. uh and then that just becomes the material it's like they're 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 resting on that rather than like doing something creative and i mean i have a couple of friends actually former guest of the show who also wants to come back soon he doesn't watch documentaries brandon <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah and that's generally his critique of it is that the documentaries are just like um uh they're they're overly reliant on on talking heads and um mm -hmm. yeah and i mean that's my issue with documentaries as well actually i i don't like talking heads um there there's got to be a better way of showing it. i actually prefer documentaries that don't have narration or um mm -hmm. yeah they're just kind of well then yeah <laughs> well alex's war might might be something just to kind of like take a look at then yeah because yeah. there's not a, a narration mm -hmm. it's it's all like clips live like interview clips of him mm -hmm. mo uh, more recent clips and then flashback clips yeah but the the thing is i i still feel like if it's overly reliant on that that also is not going to interest me that yeah much. like what i need is yeah. a perspective like it needs yeah. to have and it's not necessarily an opinion but you have to have like a a certain style a point of view yeah because yeah. like um i i guess uh the filmmaker i'd contrast and i would highly recommend you watch it steve or and anybody else um mm -hmm. who'd be interested is uh American Dharma, um, mm -hmm. which is directed by Errol Morris, and it's about Steve Bannon. 
And, Ooh. you know, uh, Errol Morris has a very singular way of making documentaries. And, you know, talking about talking heads, he, nobody does talking heads the way Errol Morris does it. You know, um, okay. cool. he, yeah, he, he has this way of basically, it's actually um, a device he created called an Interatron, where the the person is actually facing directly to the camera. But what they're mm-hmm. looking at is a, a projected mirror image of the per, the interviewee, which is uh, in, um, interviewer, oh. which is Errol Morris. So it looks like he's talking directly to Errol Morris, but he's actually looking at the lens of a camera. Yeah, it, it's an incredible device. So once okay. he came up with that, like his talking heads are are unlike anybody else's, and cool. obviously you you from American Dharma, you can see that Errol Morris doesn't agree with him, and he does take him to task and. It's kind of unfair, yeah. actually. This is why the movie was kind of suppressed when it when it uh, was he was trying to get it out. He couldn't get a distributor for it because uh, they thought, oh, it's it's giving Steve Bannon a platform, and you know he needs to be canceled mm-hmm. and muted and uh, unmuzzled yeah. or whatever it is, you know. Um, yeah. But it's it's not that. I mean, it it does let him talk, but at the same time, you know, one of the things that Errol Morris does is, you know, I mean, he's he's talked to Robert McNamara and. Um, who was Bush's uh, war guy? Um, Rumsfeld. He also has a document. Yeah. Like with these guys, like, and he's interviewed other people too that are just like kind of um, morally questionable or, you know, you're not really sure where where their ethics lie. But, you know, mm-hmm. Morris is good at like interviewing in the sense that he lets them kind of uh, uh, kill themselves <laughs> on screen kind of. Yeah. Yeah. He gives yeah. them enough rope basically to to hang themselves with <laughs> so um, that's that's the best yeah yeah so the american dharma is brilliant and you know cool. aaron morris just has this style which is um it, it's it it's also propulsive like it's carried by this momentum like he used to collaborate with philip glass a lot so philip glass's score would be that insistent minimalist score that would push it forward and i don't think he works mm-hmm. with philip glass anymore but uh, the the composers that he's used now also do that style of music so it, cool. it's very compelling stuff cool yeah that sounds good yeah yeah, uh, yeah like the two recent doc more documentary stuff things that i i've seen that i, I just want mm-hmm. to mention because yeah like I, I don't get a chance to talk about it much mm-hmm. I, um one is he, relies heavily on narration mm-hmm. so it's, it might not be your your thing but um i think it was in february of 2021 adam curtis oh yes he uh he put out can't get you out of my head mm, yeah which was like a, i think a six-part mm-hmm. series and I, I remember seeing it on youtube um yep that's where he really was it. you know yeah mm-hmm. and it's you know on um individualism essentially right and um it's proliferation and the way he kind of weaves his narrative through the various stories, you know, he talks about, you know, through the eyes and the actions of, I think, uh, Lady Mao, mm-hmm. um, Tupac. There's a couple other people <laughs> that that he sort of highlights. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it's a way of doing the narration that it's really hypnotic and right. it's really easy to digest. But I also don't get a heavy hit of um, of uh, editorializing or right. like overly telling you what to think obviously you know that there's some of that in there but um i remember really enjoying that documentary yeah um and so it sounds like you've seen it uh i have not actually i i guess i, oh, okay. I started to watch it but um uh-huh uh i don't know why i i just couldn't um 
it, it felt it's a little sleepy. Yeah, well, that and then also, um, uh, I, I he has this style of like you know everything but the kitchen sink, and that that's the yeah. thing. Like he, Adam Curtis has like one of the most uniquely identifiable styles in documentary filmmaking. Like so much so that it's actually been spoofed. Like I'll send you a link oh, to really? it, Steve. Like, yeah, there's an <laughs> okay. amazing Adam Curtis spoof on YouTube, Ooh. and it's only like three minutes long. Okay. <laughs> but it, yeah, yeah it, it utilizes all the the cliches that he uses because you know he also loves certain pieces of music and he'll use them repeatedly. Yeah. Um, like he loves yeah. uh, Nine Inch Nails is a warm place. Like he's used it in several of his movies. No yeah, way. that's funny. <laughs> yeah, and a warm place is like the the brief respite from the brutality of the downward spiral. I mean, maybe closer yeah. is like that too, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's the only instrumental piece in, in all of the Downward Spiral. That's funny. And he uses it repeatedly. And, like, you know, the, he, he definitely relies a lot on industrial and electronica music. And he has what, he has the what, budget for what it. What a dirty dog. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> who would have thought that he would be just getting down and, like, at these, like, dirty industrial clubs? Right. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, you know, the, the parody makes fun of it. You know, it's like, oh, he discovered his uh, <laughs> skinny puppy CD or something like that. I think that's what he says. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Um, and good. we'll have it in the show notes, too, for anybody who's cool. curious. But, um, I'm... Yeah. And then I I just I just want to mention the other doc that I really liked recently. What also came out last year was the on HBO the Q into the Storm documentary okay. where that um that Cullen Ho- Hoback who did Monster Camp and um, terms and terms and ser- terms and what's it terms and services um, he did a doc in 2012 mm-hmm. on um, on what 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 is actually in the terms and services that you. <laughs> that we right quickly just accept through yeah. on you know <laughs> yeah on a, and then and then he also d- did one on water contamination what lies upstream that was really good mm. maybe in 2017 but yeah he, in 2021 he did this cue into the into the storm doc really easy to watch four episode doc that's on hbo max where essentially he w- was trying to figure out who was Q, and he figured it out oh and it's like so it's like if you want to know who Q is Watch that doc. It's not Steve Bannon. Yeah. And this <laughs> yeah. is the Q of Q anon for those who, exactly. yeah, yeah. who need context. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah. I mean, HBO has like their lane of, of documentaries and there, there's definitely some that, that stand out. Like the Jinx is an incredible documentary, but mm-hmm. also, you know, right. that's what I'm saying with Adam Curtis or even Andrew Jarecki. They, they have a perspective. They have a style that's identifiable yeah. or or Errol Morris, who's who's like levels above these guys, you know. I mean, Errol Morris is like the mm-hmm. granddaddy of documentaries, you know, uh, for cool. them. Yeah, like everybody follows Errol Morris. Like I was even watching um, uh, the Jeff Goldblum World According to Jeff Goldblum show on um, on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. which I love that show. And I mean, I love Jeff Goldblum, but I can't help but notice that oh, this is definitely inspired by Errol Morris. Like yeah. <laughs> the use of archival footage because he, he uses it in a creative way. It's like it's not within um, necessarily the context. And Adam Curtis does this too. And that's why I kind of, uh, I want to say I, I, I'm i hot and cold with him. You know, because like yeah. um, uh, a documentary, like I felt like it felt like a kiss is great. 
you know i i really thought mm. that was an incredible documentary and i think it's only an hour long because he also tends to make stuff that's i mean yeah obviously that one was multiple episodes um yeah um, it got it got it got kind of hard to finish yeah. at the end it, it definitely was yeah long. and then bitter lake is like three hours and then yeah just because he's hopping from one moment in time to another and different footage from from this thing, yeah, it can get exhausting, but yeah, like an hour with it felt like a kiss is perfect, and because also he's doing the uh, Los Angeles plays itself thing where it's it's composed of film clips, you know, so it's fun, mm-hmm. like seeing, oh yeah, that's that movie and that's that movie, you know, um, so yeah, I think that that's probably my favorite Adam Curtis uh film, but you know, I don't mind it, like I think actually Adam Curtis is perfect for starting a discussion like if you want to watch it with somebody else and have a conversation mm-hmm. about what you're seeing it's great for that you know it's definitely a good conversation piece uh totally. and oh just be- before i forget to um uh with bodies 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 i love the soundtrack of bodies 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 it's by um oh, cool. disaster piece who also did the soundtrack for it follows which is another a24 act uh horror movie <laughs> you know since a24 tends to make a lot of horror movies or distribute a lot of horror movies so yeah the disaster piece score in uh in um a bodies 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 is great and even the charlie xcx uh, i'm not even familiar if i'm pronouncing her name properly yeah. the the single that they did specifically for the movie i thought yeah this slaps like this is pretty good oh good yeah <laughs> So nice. yeah, um, cool, cool. All right, so is it my turn? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, another movie I saw recently is uh, I'm gonna say the French title first and the English title second. It's uh, Rien a foot, foot, mm-hmm. uh, which is a curse word, and that's actually what the English title is: zero fucks given. Uh, so. <laughs> Um, it's a, it, you know, it's not what the title would, you would think the movie is. It's not like some sort of brash, punky movie. It's actually a movie about a flight attendant <laughs> and the struggles oh. that she has to go through. Um, it's a, it's also a debut feature for the two directors. Well, I think the other director has like some short films, but uh, the other one, it's like her, completely her first film. And it stars, um, Adele Xerchopoulos. Not sure if I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, but she's obviously most well known for being in Blue is the Warmest Color with Leah Sidhu. Um And it's it's just fascinating that I thought she would become the bigger star of the two. Mm-hmm. But no, it, obviously Leah Sidhu became Bond girl. You know, she was in the last two Bond movies. Um, and uh, she was in that Wes Anderson film that I liked from last year, um, uh, French Dispatch. Uh, but yeah, Adele's Extratropolis has kind of had a more, uh, I don't know, uh, let's just say um, she tends to, to go off the beaten path with her, her projects. But more power to her because mm-hmm. it's like, it's fascinating stuff, like what she's chosen to do. Like, there was an mm-hmm. American indie film where I saw her, like, appear randomly called I Used to Be Darker by Matthew Port- Porterfield, which is a great film. And then she shows up and I was like, wait, is that her? <laughs> it was really strange but yeah I really cool. I'm a big fan of hers um, and I mean I would love to work with her in the future uh, but it's just funny because one of her best features is her voice because she has this kind of like smoker's like husky voice you know and it's like how can I make a movie without dialogue <laughs> where I don't use yeah. her voice you know because it, it, yeah it's one of her best skills but 
the movie, the reason why it resonates with me so much is because, uh, I mean, we were talking about this off record about like jobs. Um, it, that it really puts you through the ringer of like you know the kind of bullshit and the politics that you have to go through with jobs. And I mean, this was something that I learned later on when I had a friend who was a flight attendant. That did you know that they only get paid once they're in the air? No, yeah that's crazy yeah dude so that's the only time they're getting paid is during the flight and then you know obviously they uh wherever it is that their destination is before they they have the turnaround back to their original city um uh you know they're they're put up in these hotels and they're kind of tourists in a way and they're in these cities and, and yeah. the, the movie covers that you know but it's just that idea of like working a nine to five, but it's not really what you want to do, but you know, it, it pays the bills and, um, uh, yeah, they really captured that. And just all the, the annoying conditions that a boss will put on you, you know, <laughs> like, uh, mm-hmm. even, uh, there, there's a part where it's, uh, she's given a forced promotion and it's like, they, they basically make her choose like, uh, yeah, it's either you take this promotion or, you know, we're going to let you go. <laughs> like, you know, and, wow. and I related to that so much because I don't like responsibilities in jobs. I don't want to be part of yeah. like office politics. So the the higher up you are, you more the more involved you are in that, and the more meetings you have to attend. <laughs> so I hate totally. that shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it it resonated to me in that way. Uh, I mean, the 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 movie's far from perfect. You know, uh, it's it's way cool. too long. They could have condensed a lot of parts. There's like a whole third act bit where she goes back home and it kind of, um, yeah, they, they could have definitely cut out a lot of those those scenes. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it, it's just this thing um, I feel with, with first feature directors, it's the rookie mistake of like um, covering all the bases, you know, where they, they just mm. feel like, oh, every kind of plot strand or everything you bring up needs to be tied up in the end. And, you know, it's fine to have a little ambiguity. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, zero fucks given, still still worth watching. And, I mean, I love how they made it, too. Like, it's, um, they actually booked their own charter flights and, you know, created their own airline uh, on this plane mm-hmm. and then had the extras be the passengers. It was great. Like, I, I love the, the, oh, yeah, wow. the production behind it, too. So, That's cool. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like like I'm kind of watching the trailer a little mm-hmm. bit on silent. Like it, it looks re- yeah. re- like really interesting mm-hmm. like just looking at it. Yeah. So yeah. I cool. think it's on a uh, movie. It's streaming on movie right now. So Oh, yeah. good. We love movies. Yes, here. we do. Sponsor us yeah. movie. <laughs> I actually yeah. have another movie move movie on movie. <laughs> I'm getting oh. tongue tied uh coming like up that. later on. Okay. So what else have you got, Steve? All right. So uh another one I wanted to cover um, it's movie related. Mm. I mean, I do have a couple other films which we could talk about, but um, you sent me an article on the hundred best films of the '90s. Yeah, I was gonna bring this up too. All right, okay, cool. So um, I wanted to just, just kind of to, to discuss it. Um, you know, obviously I, we're not gonna go through all a hundred. I think. Um, what what was it? Was it on um, IndieWire? IndieWire was the one that yeah. put it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously the, the things are, I, this is what stood out. Okay. Um, so these are Steve's standouts, I suppose. N- new segment. Um, so they had the thin red line higher than saving private Ryan. <laughs> um, 
Um, oh, let's get into this. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> and um, so I have a connection to the Thin Red Line. My my sophomore English teacher. So yeah, I went to school in the San Fernando Valley, which is in LA. Yada yada yada. My English teacher in so- sophomore year, her name was Miss Carrie Caviezel. Ooh. And um, and she would name. talk about she would talk about how about how she has this husband who's an actor and you know and so this was you know 95 96 97 somewhere in there and i think thin red like he was just about to break cuz so obviously her husband is jim caviezel caviezel yes um passion of the christ was 04 oh wow no. i thought it was earlier yeah i thought it was earlier too yeah that's weird <laughs> uh passion of the yeah hold on let's see yeah, Passion of the Christ was 04. Wow. Okay. Wow. So yeah. yeah, so 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 she was my in- in- English teacher I think like 96, 97. Thin Red Line comes out in 98. Mm-hmm. And so I go see it and a lot of people go see it cuz you know, this is uh, you know, for w- wartime movies were huge <laughs> like yeah. in, in in the late 90s. Um and obviously Terrence Malick he has his own thing. You probably have a better perspective on what Terrence Malick represents and means. For right. me, I was expecting a real gnarly World War II movie about the Pacific, similar to how Saving Private Ryan was in uh, in Europe in the Western side, the Western Front. And you kind of got this real artsy, emotional Jim Caviezel swimming in the water kind of a movie with a occasional, occasional intense war yeah. scenes yeah and so i i remember thinking that the, that the thin red line was actually kind of sleepy and, mm-hmm. and 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 maybe a lot of the points went over my head but i i remember just kind of thinking saving private ryan was such a better movie and i, <laughs> I, I like i loved watching that movie may but also may, maybe because i was a young man and you know right that kind of gr- gruesomeness uh really appeals when you're you know between 10 15 and 25 so, yeah, that, that that was the big standout to me. Okay, that it, they they rated um, it over. Yeah, uh, like I don't know, like like ha, like like like. Do you think the Thin Red Line like is a more impactful or better movie than Saving Private uh, Ryan? Well, you know, let me just say on the outset of just like the big picture of the list itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I came into with it was because it's a hundred movies. I'm just not going to agree with the rankings, yeah. you know, like it's, yeah. it, it's just impossible because I mean, you know, it's a personal thing. And, yeah. uh, the three contributors to the list, uh, man, why am I blanking on the, on the third person? But the, the other two, the, the names that I remember are David Ehrlich and, um, uh, Eric Kahn. And I, I, I like Eric Kahn, but I can't stand David Ehrlich. Like, I mean, I just disagree with him <laughs> on everything. And, like, I do feel that he's one of the main reasons why uh, a lot of reviews on, on Letterboxd are so, like, snarky and and just, like, bad stand-up routines is because of him. Like, he started that trend. Like, I... I oh, God. A lot of the main reviewers on Letterboxd, like, the ones that have, like, the most likes or the most followers, like... I block them all because, like, I just feel like I lose brain cells um, reading their reviews, you know, um, mm-hmm. because, yeah, it's just yep. really, like, 
the bane of writing. <laughs> and, mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, yeah, I I just don't get it. But so um, yeah, I just want to I just want to interject that the third person is Kate Erbland. Okay. There you go. Okay. Uh, thanks yeah. for filling that in. Um, yeah, sure. I'm not familiar with her or her writing, so I don't hold anything against yeah. her. Yeah. But Eric Kahn is good. Like, I, I think he was also like a very big supporter of Kaveh Zahedi's um, uh, um, the show about the show. He's actually in that show. It's one of my favorite like web shows, and it's still ongoing, even though the 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 spaces between the episodes have gotten larger and larger. I think it's been a year now, and obviously there was the pandemic. But mm-hmm. uh, oh, sorry, I said the word again. We're gonna get That's the okay. warning on. We're definitely getting <laughs> that 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 blue stripe on. The yeah, That's on right. Spotify. Uh, but yeah, like uh, that slowed them down. But he was on the show, uh, and it's it's a crazy show. There's nothing else like it. Um, uh, and it, you know, it's basically like every episode of the show is about the making of the previous episode. So it gets <laughs> so meta. It's yeah. crazy. But he was a big supporter of that show, and I think that's also part of why the show was able to like keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, like I was never gonna agree with the ranking, so I was just like, okay, let me see what's in it, you know. Yeah, and, exactly. And um, the value of it for me was discovery, and I'll, I'll get to that because you know, I, yeah, um, I don't want to sidetrack away from your question, which is, um, yeah, at that point in time. Uh, actually, uh, I'll be even more deeper with the context. I actually wasn't allowed to see Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> yeah, oh, I yeah my my okay. mom was like, it's too violent. I you can't see yeah. it, but she did let me see Thin Red Line. So I actually saw Thin Red Line before oh, cool. um, Saving Private Ryan because the the ratings were weird in the Philippines. Like Saving mm-hmm. Private Ryan was like rated r and you know when it, you get an r rating actually technically it was r13 which is weird so i still could have actually gone in and so, saw it but you know my mom wouldn't let me mm-hmm. so it's like you know and she's giving me the ticket money um but uh um thin red line which is also rated r here in the u.s in the philippines it was a pg-13 you know mm-hmm. and as far back as i can remember cool. um it was it was uncut, you know. Even like the whole thing with Woody Harrelson blowing his ass off, you yeah. know, it's just yeah. the comic scene. But um, going into it, I was also surprised at the pace of it because I was expect, you know, because the trailers build yeah. it up to be that way. Like it's this all star movie. Like I wasn't even expecting Jim Caviezel to be the lead. You know, yeah, uh, he's like a yeah, he's like the main guy. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Like I really thought it's like man, it's got George Clooney in it. The Nick Nolte, um, you know, uh, John Travolta, but they're all like, they show up in one scene and then you never see them again. But yeah, Sean Penn as well. Like it's, it's a crazy cast. Um, But yeah, like uh, it, it was kind of a culture shock for me to see this movie. And it was the first Terrence Malick I had ever seen, but I was aware of the, the context that it was his first movie in 20 years. Like he was gone in the wilderness. Like, you know, he hadn't made a movie since days of heaven at that time, which Mm -hmm. came out in 78. So it was almost 20 years of just no movies from Terrence Malick. Um, And he was always like this mysterious figure that, you know, you, he didn't get, he doesn't have his photo taken. You know, I mean, that's one of the highlights of TMZ for me that they actually did a piece on him where they spotted him in public because, like, he wow. was hanging out with Christian Bale or something, and they filmed him, like, leaving a restaurant <laughs> or <Yeah>. something. <laughs> that was hilarious. It was, it was, and they did it as a feature of, like, um, 
that they they spotted Bigfoot or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's <laughs> yeah, like good. notoriously a recluse. He doesn't do, you know, commentaries or interviews really, even though um when he kind of had his brief run of of my favorite period of his is like, you know, when he was doing uh, Night of Cups and Song to Song and and um uh, to the wonder um all these movies when he was doing that he actually did a Q&A at like uh, South by Southwest and somebody recorded it on their phone and it's amazing uh so <laughs> you know he he's not he he's not as um he's not like JD Salinger or um, right. Thomas Pinch on level you know he there's still access to him but it's just you know he doesn't do press junkets and shit mm-hmm. but yeah so that was that was the big deal about it but um when I finally got to see Saving Private Ryan, I mean, I had this, uh, it was probably like maybe two, three years later, um, and I saw it on tape, so I didn't get that cinematic experience that sure. you yeah. got, you know, because, yeah. I, you know, even just watching it now again on Blu-ray, I got it on Blu-ray, um, you know, that opening sequence, um, you know, on the Normandy yeah. landing is just incredible, you know, like, if yeah. you have a good sound system, good TV to watch it on... Yeah. Man, it was a trip to be in the theater mm. and to hear the bullets whiz by you and right. hear explosions behind mm-hmm. you and like the screams or what you know, just like yeah. the sound mix mm-hmm. in the theater was 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 pretty amazing. Yeah, and I guess I, at that point I was like, uh, I was kind of a Spielberg hater <laughs> at that time. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I've sure. come, yeah. yeah, I've come around to it now, but like. I was uh, I was very dismissive of a lot of the elements of the movie, especially just like how long the journey is <laughs> for them to get to the end, yeah. and then you know that whole battle I think is like forty five minutes or something at the end where you at know at the end yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah I I didn't really care for the um, the the prologue and the epilogue with the older Ryan yeah. you know finding yeah. the graves like i I just For sure yeah so i had issues with it and like it, it was just like oh man like thin red line is like this transcendent poetic film so cool. i was pl- placing that above it oh, but cool. um now i mean it you know like now that i have context and uh, i've seen more terrence malick films like i don't even rank thin red line actually as uh, one of his best you know it, it it's mm-hmm. not like even top five for me i feel oh, interesting. yeah cool. Um, but yeah, like I've, I've come around to, uh, Saving Private Ryan and Spielberg yeah. to the point where it's like, um, yeah. uh, uh, I view, I don't take it seriously, you know, like Spielberg kind of has created this line where he does like his fun adventure blockbuster movies and then he'll do mm-hmm. something serious like Lincoln or Amistad and Saving Private Ryan is supposed to fall into that. But I still actually yeah. feel like the best way to view Saving Private Ryan is still as like his fun you know blockbuster even though it's like brutal it still feels like oh it's you know the familiar spielberg trope of like a group of guys or a team like trying to get through something and -hmm. survive you know like it's a boy's own adventure type deal yeah yeah it feels it feels like he wanted to do a men on a mission movie Mm -hmm. and tom hanks wanted to live out a a, like a, a fantasy of hitting the the beaches at normandy right you know because cause I know that Hanks is a real World War II head, you know. Oh. Hence, you know, um, you know he produced the uh, Pacific, I think after after um, yeah, um, and uh, Band of Brothers too. Yeah, both him yeah, and Spielberg. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it seems like a, like a marriage between them in right. a way. But yeah, I think what we're circling is like is a th- this might be the the theme of this app is just timing. 
mm-hmm. you know, when did you see a movie? How were you feeling about it? How did right. you see it? And like, it totally impacts your experience of it. And like, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, I definitely save it. Private, Private Ryan is long. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, a lot of it. Yeah. Like I really just like a couple scenes in it. Like mm-hmm. if I really think about it, whereas my experience with, um, thin red line is I remember the feeling it had, but yeah. I don't remember really any of the scenes. Right. So yeah, cause that's just, what you know. it is. Yeah. I mean, he, he delved even more into that with, with that period that I'm talking with where it's like, mm-hmm. everything is fleeting. It's not really scenes. It's more like moments and how things feel. You know, yeah. um, and I love that, you know, and that's why I guess what he evolved into and now he's kind of moving away from that. But when he had that little period, especially with Knight of Cups, it's one of my all time favorites. Um, yeah, it, it it was just there's something about it where, you know, it really like inspires me. Um, but yeah, it, it, I I think it's just apples and oranges. They're just two very different movies that just happen to come out within close proximity with each other, and uh, right. they're both World War Two movies, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so. Then, okay, so seeing as we'll probably never talk about Saving Private Ryan again, I have to just <laughs> get out my my like main gripe with the movie, which is super trivial, and okay. this is not like this is not gonna pay off for anybody who's listening. But mm-hmm. maybe maybe the one there's one other person who's thought of this. So the movie is called Saving Private Ryan. Matt Damon is Private Ryan. There's another guy in the crew who has almost the exact same sounding name. Mm. Edward Burns' character is Private Rybin. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, why did they Why did they yeah. do that in the writing? Yeah, because they're... Right. Yeah. It, I, that's a fair quibble because it's not... They're not real people, you know. You, yeah. You, yeah. When you're naming characters, like, why would you yeah. name somebody that sounds like yeah. somebody else? Yeah. yeah. And and they gave the other characters weird names. You, okay, mm. so you have Captain Miller. Okay, easy. Yeah. Then you have Sergeant Horvath, Private mm. Jackson, Private mm. Mellish, Caparzo, yeah. Wade, and then you have R- Private Rybin. It's like, <laughs> Jesus. It's oh, just so. Man. I don't know. It's just. It's just like one of those things where obviously I'm. I don't have to be as angry about it, but it just makes me angrier. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's also wild how that cast, you know, it's like a who's who now. Oh, of yeah. Like, where, what have they, you know, become since then? It's incredible. And um, yeah. shout out to Barry Pepper, by the way, Private Jackson. Yeah. He's my favorite character. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Still likable. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's like he's the guy um, – that you want to be you want him on your team like you know you kind of feel safer with him around because he's the sniper and you know obviously i've I've probably mentioned this before that i'm an avid counter-strike player so Mm -hmm. i I started playing counter-strike around that time that i saw saving private ryan so i was like yeah i want to be a left-handed sniper too that also like recites the lord's prayer before i shoot somebody (laughs) yeah yeah um jackson is definitely like the mvp of that crew for sure yeah and i mean i think it's still like spielberg's most brutal movie like in terms of Mm -hmm. the violence and like um just you know how i mean this is a 25 year old movie at this point um uh how uh adam goldberg reaches his end you know yeah um yeah it's just crazy yeah i, I remember watching that and just mm-hmm. like being really crushed by that mm-hmm. and like 
And, uh, you know, I think it ties into like a, like a conversation we were having in an earlier app about commando, about how mm-hmm. like 80s action was so fun and yeah. frivolous at like a clown show. Like Private Ryan really like was the peak of like, we're going to make this as real as possible. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, please don't make anything this <laughs> real ever again. I don't think I can right. take it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's wild. Cool. Um, All right. All right. Well, um, so just other thoughts on the list. Um, I was really pumped to see uh, Starship Troopers on there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Do you remember um, what number it was? Here, let me I'll find it right now. Starship Troopers 78. Oh, wow. Too low. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah I, exactly. And so, yeah, like, like much like you, I wasn't necessarily worried about the numbers mm-hmm. on this thing. I was just curious what was going to make it on. The only, yeah, the only, yeah, the Thin Red Line and Private Ryan, that was the only thing because it was like a, there's like a 50 or 60 point difference mm-hmm. there. In, right. And like, I think Thin Red Line was like in the top 20. And yeah, and I was like, how is Private Ryan in like in the 60s or whatever? So, um, my, okay, other thoughts. I, I, I thought, I thought not, the number one pick was it was an interesting pick. I can see why it's number one, eyes wide shut. Um, and then it was cool to see, Oh, I, oh! Terminator Two was in the fifties, which yeah. seemed a little low, but uh, you know, or or high, I guess, depending. Like, 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 I, I would have thought it would have been higher ranked, right? Um, just because of what it meant, um, tech, uh, CGI and technology, kind of film sure. making wise, and it's still considered to be like one of the best action movies ever. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but my my only so just my last note. Crash is number 40. Crash is that um, kind of sexed up. Um, David Cronenberg movie. David yeah. Cronenberg. I'm glad it's uh, that Crash Spader and Spader not... film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not the 2005 Crash. I-, I remember stumbling upon this Crash maybe on late night on like, I don't think it would have been on Cinemax, but it was definitely on like some kind of like mm-hmm. sexier kind of cable network and being Skin like what is this yeah yeah because like it's definitely like, like a horned up kind mm. of deal yeah so it's, it's kind of interesting to, to see it at 40 um would you rate it higher or lower no <laughs> i'm curious I, yeah i'm i didn't like i thought it was like titillating and exciting mm-hmm. but i would not think people thought would think it's a good movie oh was okay. kind of my understanding of it but it mm-hmm. seems like people actually do respect the oh, movie yeah. as a good movie yeah i mean uh i it's it's my favorite cronenberg film cool. yeah <laughs> um okay. and i i guess i should back that up uh i mean <laughs> the thing is and it, this relates to uh the other thing you brought up with eyes wide shut because um mm-hmm. uh well two things about it one is that uh I was already aware of the context of these movies when they were coming out. Cause 97 was really the year where I, I really got into movies. And, mm-hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, I crash came out the year before and I just remember all the controversy relating to mm-hmm. it because, um, uh, the city of Westminster in London banned it. And I think it's still banned to this day. So any movie theater that's <laughs> in Westminster in London, cannot show crash <laughs> but it's only that city it's like you know you can show it in like stoke newington or <laughs> you know uh hempstead <laughs> another neighborhood yeah. in L- london uh, maybe hempstead is not part of it but anyway um mm. uh yeah but uh crash you know uh it the thing about it uh, that really just struck me is just again it's just a movie about mood 
not really that mm-hmm. much narrative. And I mean, you know, there, there was just something really shocking about it, not just the controversy, but just the the idea that, you know, J.G. Ballard named the two characters, him and his wife, after, you know, the 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 husband and wife that's played by James Spader and Deborah Cara Unger. I mean, the original novel was set in London and they moved it to Toronto, but mm-hmm. it, it feels the same way of just like, you know, the, there's that observation they have where it's like, oh, it seems like there's more cars out here. And like the freeways of Toronto seem more similar to like the motorways of, of London than they do the freeways here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Like it just had this like kind of cold, steely remove to it. But it, it was actually um David Cronenberg's commentary that unlocked it for me where he was saying that he wanted the movie to just be back-to-back sex scenes and not for the gratuitous back, but it was like um the narrative value of that, of like, you know, you're observing how these sex scenes are evolving from each other. So, you know, just like, um, you know, how it builds up. Watch the first three sex scenes, which is like, you know, the wife um, and then mm-hmm. uh, Catherine Ballard and uh, James Ballard have, having sex with other people and then them meeting up and then telling stories about, you know, the other people that they had sex with and how like that escalates. And, you know, like mm-hmm. the yeah, the there's an incredible sex scene that's actually cut out of the R rated version. You can only see it in the NC-17 version. And it cuts out the main narrative because yeah. it really like uh, that's like the most primal sex scene in the movie, probably also the most explicit. And it's um mm-hmm. uh it's the one where they're talking about Vaughn, which is uh, Elias Codius's character, mm-hmm. um and you know th- that that's turning them on, that they're talking about that and like how that escalates, and then also how a lot of the sex scenes are are never face to face. Like mm-hmm. it's always like from behind, and um, uh, you know when they do have like a face to face sex scene, that's also crucial. So um, yeah, to me, it, it's one of the greats. Like I, I was glad that it was cool. one of the movies that I saw like projected on film when it had like a revival. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, it's my favorite Cronenberg, like by cool. far. So cool. um. Well, yeah. if, if if I'm ever not feeling shy, I, I can tr- <laughs> try tr- try to give it a, yeah. a, a, a rewatch. Yeah, you know? we'll but see. definitely make sure you have the NC-17 version because yeah. uh, there's two definitely. versions floating around there. Uh, okay, I think when good. it plays on TV, they only play the R-rated version. So okay, um, yeah, oh uh, yeah. So yeah, um, um, what do you think of Eyes Wide Shut? Yeah, yeah. So you brought up Eyes Wide Shut. So, uh. Yeah, when it came out, I mean, one of the things that I texted to you um, when I sent you the link to the list was like, oh, this list is really a testament to how great 1999 was, like that year was. Yeah. Because, you know, that was number one. And then there were just so many movies like uh, Ghost Dog shows up on the list. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the other 99 movies because I keep thinking back to my favorite movies from that year. But I, I guess Magnolia is also on that list. It has to be right. Like, you can't not have Magnolia. Ma- yeah, Magnolia's on there. Yeah, um, it looks like uh, what year was? And then yeah, obviously a lot of movies that I've never heard of. Yeah, um, Ravenous. Oh yeah, I I have that Blu-ray and I've been meaning to watch it. It it sounds like it would be a fun movie, like yeah. a Friday night movie, and you know, great cast: Robert Carlyle and the uh, Guy Pierce. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, 99 was such a good year and I don't even think uh, Eyes Wide Shut was the best movie of that year, you know? I mean, that sure. wasn't my favorite. Yeah. Like, um, 
uh, I sent you my list on Letterboxd of uh, my 99 and is it in I think it's in order um, but uh, yeah I'm, I'm scratching my head of what's number one how can I forget my own list <laughs> Uh, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that Hold on, it. let me bring it up real quick. Yeah. Uh, let's see, what was my number one of 1999? Oh, it was The Wind Will Carry Us. So that wasn't even on the list, you know, right. uh, yeah. which is uh, uh, Abbas Kiarostami's film. Um, yeah, and it, it's great, you know, and uh, yeah, Belfast, Maine. I'm not sure that was also featured. Speaking of documentaries, another really unique documentary filmmaker is Frederick Wiseman. You know, you just know when you're watching a Frederick Wiseman film and the fact that he does it with no narration, no like um, flashy editing, you know, no archival footage. Like it's all just usually um, he's, he's filming like in direct real time, you know, as things are happening. But there's like these subtle things he's doing with with um, cross cutting in his documentaries mm-hmm. and yeah Belfast Maine is my favorite Frederick Wiseman yeah the limey was also on there um oh the insider had to be on there because uh th- that was the other crazy thing in in the Oscars you know with 1999 was that um the eventual winner was actually the worst movie out of all those n- nominations do you remember which one best picture in 99 yeah uh, American Beauty. Yes, you're correct. Yeah, <laughs> and that was the worst movie. Like I, I, <laughs> I feel yeah, like... like I was thinking about that. How you know it's essentially a movie about a guy who starts fantasizing about a girl, a, a high school girl. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and like just like would it fly today? Yeah, and I mean you know, considering like, also what was going on behind the scenes with with Kevin Spacey. Like you know, yeah. I, I saw this like YouTube video which was just like detailing all his like indiscretions uh and mm-hmm. he he's been doing this shit since the 80s <laughs> you know, it's crazy uh yeah. ever since he started as an actor he, he's been like doing all these predatory things and um so yeah the movie just doesn't hold up it's kind of become a joke especially the the plastic bag scene yeah <laughs> and like the guy holding a cam quarter yeah. and that makes him cool <laughs> sort of a deal right i mean you know yeah. there are some good performances in it though I'll, I'll give it that you know uh yeah um but yeah american beauty was the worst movie of all those nominations and i think yeah. michael mann's the insider should have won like that should have been mm-hmm. best picture and well well sadly i don't i don't think the insider's on this list oh they skipped it oh blasphemous that's like top yeah. three top four michael mann for me well yeah, yeah. so that's also what kind of stood out to me with this list. Like my my like my favorite movies like aren't on here. Like mm-hmm. Braveheart's not not on here. Yeah. Um, Shawshank. Mm-hmm. Um, that's weird because that's know, like number one on IMDb for like the longest time. <laughs> You'd think that oh, would be a populist choice. Yeah. The the Usual Suspects mm. not here. R- R- Reservoir Dogs not here. Oh. Seven. Yeah. So it's like you know a lot of bangers mm-hmm. didn't make. The list, which I, you know, is like cool, you know, yeah. that's fine, but you know, it is nice to kind of see your favorites on there. So it's a little sure. like, okay, like, do I have bad taste or is was just is this just not for me? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I, yeah, I mean, again, it's those three people, and it's it's really more reflective yeah. of their taste. And I mean, being the publication that it is, that it's IndieWire, like I know that it's uh, it's definitely. You know, it has a bias to avoid like the big blockbusters and more like uh, stuff that's indie and uh, has artistic value. 
Cool. And yeah, we're talking about it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, uh, the, the value of the list really was for me for discoveries. And it's crazy yeah. to think out of a hundred, there were only two movies that I'd never heard of before. You know, wow, <laughs> Carlo, cool. <laughs> because I mean, there's there's some of them that I I haven't seen, but like I know I just have no interest in seeing. You know, right. um, but there were two that was like, oh man, I've never heard of these two movies. And um, yeah, I want to bring them up. One, I still have it. I mean, I, I definitely sought them out as soon as mm-hmm. I, I could. Um, one, I still haven't gotten around to seeing because I feel like I need to be in the right mood for it. And it's um, this film called Compensation, uh, okay. which, uh, yeah, is, is largely forgotten. I mean, I'd never heard of it before, obviously, but um it it also is one of the the two like um uh black directed films of the 90s that uh used silent cinema tropes uh-huh. uh yeah the other one which i also don't think is is on the list is um charles lane's uh, sidewalk stories oh no that was 1989 so that wouldn't have been included but compensation it actually also uses um uh a deaf uh actress so the movie has, um, uh, you know, uh, it's it's largely silent. Like it's using um, like silent uh, movie tropes to kind of um, get across its story, which is beautiful. I, I think it's also, I haven't seen it all the way through, but I think the second half of the movie is like set in modern day. So, but the it's still the same actress and she's communicating through sign language. So I think, yeah, that I'm sold. You know, just that description to me, is like I I definitely want to get around to to watching it. Oh, and it's a, also another 1999 movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's directed by um uh Zenaibu Irene Davis. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can't and yeah, cool. cast of unknown. So I'm excited. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely seems like 99 is a heralded year. You know, as as far as the movie food podcast go, it seems like 85 is has been our. Oh yeah our number one year so far here in season one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll be curious yeah. to see if, if we can rip off some more 99 yeah. films. Yeah. And I mean, I, I definitely want to also delve into some 84 films, my birth year. Cause that's Ooh. just a great movie year, you know, as well. I mean, yeah, but mm-hmm. 99 oh, really yeah. just stands out. Cause you know, I've made lists of all these, these years, like these standout years and, like yeah 99 yeah. has the most and i'm still like adding stuff onto it so cool. um oh and yeah again 19 staying in 99 the other discovery for me was um this film called the uh, silvia prieto which is a argentinian film uh by martin retman uh mm-hmm. and it's it's only his uh his second feature he had like a breakthrough feature um uh called um, rapado um, that came out in 92 so it was like six years between his his breakthrough debut and uh this his second film which was amazing it was just like mm-hmm. um i i think i need to watch it a couple more times before i i can put it in uh carlos canon mm-hmm. uh and yeah this is a good segue for us too um because you, of something you brought up earlier about like rewatching and kind of like for me, there, there's certain films that, like, you know, Say Anything, which was the first entry that we did on the show uh, for Carlos Cannon. It was just, like, an instant thing where it's like, yeah, that's in. 
You know, it's like mm-hmm, a, yeah. a shoe in. It's like, you know, Hall of Fame kind of thing where you, yeah. you're just guaranteed like Jordan, Michael Jordan's a Hall of Fame player. You know, you just know yeah. that, you know, he won six Slam titles. Dunk, yeah. yeah, exactly. But then there's there's other nominees where you kind of like have to give it some thought, you know, where it's like, um, uh, let's say Dwayne Wade. You know, is Dwayne Wade the shorter fire mm, Hall of Famer? It's up right, for debate, yeah. you know, and like, you know, we need yeah. to kind of have time to... uh for it to, uh, sure, you know, to look back on their achievements and all of those things, and that that's how I feel like, um, uh, like uh, Carlos Cannon is for me. It's not like just a guaranteed thing that oh, I seen it once, that's it, it's in. There's some movies that are like that. There's some that like I know I liked yeah. it, but I think it still needs to grow on me mm-hmm. for a while, and I need to like be thinking about it. And yeah. um yeah that that relates to Carter cuz you know I mean I obviously have only seen Carter once and um I I know I like it and I'll probably enjoy watching it again but does it hold up you know right. for it Yeah to... like like with Carter w- w- what I wonder is will you have enough people to talk to about it that also enjoy it mm. cuz like it's somewhere sometimes in like ta- in like the back and forth the sharing amongst the peer that you, some of those like some of those things get or the, the qualities in it gets reinforced mm-hmm. it gets stronger and more right. a little more so- solid a little more sticky yeah whereas like you know it can fade if 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 you're the lone voice who's like i like this you know <laughs> well no you know that's that's who i am to a t steve yeah. i mean i i yeah. champion <laughs> these movies and that's probably also why i started to drift away from from triple r because so many people are discovering it and liking it and i'm i'm happy for the filmmakers you know (laughs) uh, that the film is getting so much attention but that's also like you know i i that's the contrarian within me which is just like i want to champion the underdog you know and i mean i'm even like that with sports you know Mm -hmm. it's like i I like that about you carlo (laughs) so um yeah the less people talk about it i mean this is also a great platform for us on the pod to like bring these movies up you know and like mm-hmm. have them be discussed um yeah. uh and hopefully bring to some attention to these and you know yeah. it might become their next favorite movie and exactly. you know with Silvia Prieto um yeah I know there's just so many things I love about it it's it's right in my wheelhouse it's a deadpan mm. comedy uh no musical score you know, it's cool. um, you yeah. know, it was shot on film, and it's like this really high contrast color, which mm-hmm. is like if I ever you know shoot in color, that's how I want it to look. Like it's just like really deep shadows, and you know the blacks are really defined. Um, so it has mm-hmm. like a visual um value to it too. It's not just like a comedy, like a simple comedy, mm-hmm. and um. You know, in the context of uh, when this came out, too, um, you know, this was just before. Basically, Retman was like the the harbinger of uh, a new wave that was going to happen, like at the turn of the century, like in 2000, where basically a lot of um, South American cinema like thrived, and Argentina was one of those move uh, those uh, movements. Like the the there were just a lot of filmmakers that emerged from that. Uh, and they're still making films today, like Lucrecia Martel and uh, Lisandro Alonso, who are two of my favorite. But like Martin Retman, like paved that way with this film, you know, and Rapado too. And it's just like there's something about the film. It's it's very episodic. Uh, it, um, 
there's like just these little details about it. It has like um it has narration too, which is also like uh, a beautiful commentary on what's going on in the movie um and delivered in deadpan way by the the lead actress <laughs> uh who plays Sylvia Prieto and it 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 has I mean the write up in the the IndieWire article is terrible like it basically says that it's <laughs> Amelie Amelie on Xanax which is a terrible yeah. comparison because it's it's so like surface level in terms of like okay maybe there's like these it's about a girl who also kind of wears red and uh, uh, yeah. there's a lot of coincidences that happen in the movie or like that drives the movie but it's not twee it's not cute you know yeah. um, and uh, it, uh, yeah just not having a musical score like I think a lot of people who will watch this might not even know how to feel about it and because the humor is deadpan you know, like some people will be like, "Oh, this is just such a boring movie where nothing happens." <laughs> but I, I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, the, just the 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 scenes, like the details that I remember, like there's um, uh, they love eating at this Chinese restaurant, and it reminded me so much of like eateries in the Philippines, where like they have the placemats and the cutlery already laid down, and the placemats oh, cool. are like the yeah. rubber type of placemats that you have at somebody's house. You know, and yeah. just the fact that, that, that to them that's a special occasion to go to this Chinese restaurant <laughs> is just hilarious. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's there's like several scenes where uh, she's chopping up chicken, and it's hard to describe with uh, if you don't see it, like just how funny those scenes are where she's just like <laughs> butchering like uh, you know it's already dead like chicken meat, but like she, the way that she just chops it is hilarious and um there's also like uh i guess that was a, a burgeoning thing that was happening uh as well like the music was thriving so there's like a scene that takes place at a rock show and mm -hmm. it just reminded me of all like the great rock shows where i've been where it's like at an intimate venue and you know you really feel the sound you're so close to everybody you know like the those are the best shows you know um yep. and it has that scene uh and yeah i mean it really also reminded me of like the other south american like deadpan stuff like um uh this is a movie i want actually want to cover for the season finale uh <laughs> and, and, okay. you know because i i think we're, we're definitely gonna delve back into our favorites uh but there's this movie called hiroshima it's pronounced hiroshima not hiroshima um hiroshima. yeah it's an okay. uruguayan film um directed by um pablo stoll and it also kind of covers like the underground rock scene in uruguay um yeah and i i need you to see this movie steve <laughs> and yeah, okay. the deadpan aspect of it is great too Okay. And, write yeah. this one down. Yeah, and if people Good. um enjoy uh you know the deadpan comedies of Aki Karusmaki, like yeah, it's it's definitely within that lane. So yeah, Silva Silvia Prieto was definitely a cool. highlight of that list. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It, it came in at seventy five, mm -hmm. and just scrolling past it, I just one last thing I just want to point out. Movie seventy four is Deep Cover from ninety two. Oh yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know this that the director was Bill Duke. Yes, yeah, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. Bill Duke, obviously yeah. from Commando and uh, Predator. Predator. Yep, and um, Exit Wounds. So, <laughs> hey man, yeah, you learn a lot. 
That's cool. Right. Um, yeah, and uh, it's it's his debut feature, and what a cast. Like, Larry Fishburne, yeah, he was still Larry at that time, not Lawrence. Yeah, and skinny. And, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. And um, Jeff Goldblum, like, so mm-hmm. good. And then, you know, yeah. it was also, you know, Los Angeles plays itself, another, like, uh, time capsule mm-hmm. of, of that time, you know. Um, so, yeah, uh, and yeah. it's great that it's on the Criterion Collection, too. Yeah. And the soundtrack famously has the first appearance of Snoop Dogg. Oh shit! Yeah, and that yeah, it's thirtieth uh, anniversary. <laughs> oh, just the sideline story of that relating to that. I actually found that single, um, Deep Cover. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, the Doctor Dre Snoop Dogg single because it's cool. really rare on vinyl. Like for That's some reason, cool. it's really like coveted because it doesn't show up on like um, Doctor Dre's like greatest hits for some reason. I don't know if it's like a rights issue or yeah, something it's gotta be that's weird yeah. yeah so the vinyl is really rare and like i was just shocked to find it at a store and they were selling it for like 15 bucks i was <laughs> <So laughs> like cool. sold i'm getting this and yeah. you know I, I i haven't really been active on my um my records instagram uh but uh oh, yeah. that's definitely records. a post yeah, yeah records yeah wreck as in a shipwreck <laughs> and then chords as in uh music chords um uh, yeah, but that's definitely a post that I have lined up. Uh, I eventually I'll get into the flow of posting records again. I just um yeah yeah a lot of things have been happening. But yeah, yeah. deep cover man, great cool. stuff. Yeah. Um. All right, so let's get back into these uh, here. Let's maybe mm-hmm. do a reset here for. <laughs> nice. Um. So um, I only got I actually only have a two more. Okay. All right. What's the um, next one? So the I want to talk about Prey. Yes, let's get into that. I got the okay. notes on that too. Okay, cool. So Prey, latest, uh, the latest in the Predator franchise, which is um, I really enjoy the Predator franchise in general. Mm. I know it's like there's there's some clunkers in there. <laughs> I th- I think like I think I don't I, I actually I don't I don't even know if I can name them all. I know there's Predator, <laughs> there's Predator, Predator Two, AVP, AVP Two. I think there's a Predators. There's a plural yes. Predators. Mm-hmm. There's a the Predator. I think. Yep. And then Prey. And then, yeah, that, that's and then that's a lot. Yeah, that's okay. all of them. So yeah. I have not seen Predators plural or oh, dude or the Predator. <laughs> but I've I think okay. but I think I've seen the rest. Um, so okay. so it sounds like you think Predators is 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 uh worth watching oh yeah it's so much fun um cool. you know it, it it's produced by robert rodriguez and directed by Ooh. nimrod antal uh yeah. and yeah it's a great cast and then you know it, it kind of brought back the good feelings of, of the first movie i mean the it's it's yeah. it's set in outer space but it's still a jungle in outer space and uh i just like the idea that they are like this you know suicide squad basically you know they're all criminals and that's why they've been sent to this planet to to battle with these predators okay Uh, i like okay cool i like that as a premise yeah sounds good it's fantastic it it seems like with with you know the predator idea whoever hit on this really hit on something great Mm. um because you can put this premise in different worlds and it still works. Yeah. And it's still compelling. And um, I don't know, just um, I don't really know what it speaks to other than it's just uh, creative and it's, it's, it speaks to something primal. 
you know, right. uh, you know, like something about watching people hunt and you know all that kind of stuff. I don't know. It's good. And yeah. so with Prey, they just kind of did that. They took, you know, hey, the idea of the predator that's well established. Let's just plop it in the Americas in seventeen nineteen, and see what happens. And I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> cool. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm curious to where you would, uh, maybe we can save that for the end of the discussion of, of yeah. this, where you would rank yeah. it amongst mm-hmm. the predators. I just wanted to table yeah, that. For sure. um, cool. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. But I will just say too, from my viewing experience, um, well, two things. One, I'm really disappointed that they decided to just make this a streaming title. I mean, it's great yeah. for you that, you know, you yeah. have a hard time getting to movie theater. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and for other people too, I understand like they may have like fear of going back to movie theaters as well. But um, so it's good for that. But, you know, I was just hoping that it would at least get like a parallel theatrical yeah. release, you know, like do the day and date streaming and theatrical because it's so wasted the you know like this movie yeah. is a lot of wide shots and vistas and yeah, i just kept on thinking gorgeous. like yeah how amazing that would look in on the big screen you know yeah yep yeah amen yeah it it, it really missed something there by mm-hmm. by not being by not being in theaters because it really is beautiful seeing all those landscapes I, I i wonder where i don't even know where they shot it i think um, they shot it in canada because cool. a lot of canada still looks like uh yeah. the new world when it, oh, you know yeah yeah so and i, I think they even allude to it because they call it like the great north plains right so and then yeah and they stumble upon french trappers right so that makes sense yeah. Then, yeah 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 so um but yeah i thought yeah it's it, though those were my uh big takeaways it was beautiful and mm. i thought it was really well paced um, right. you know, like, like it kind of slows down when it needs to slow down and, and then, but it gets back into something quick and then now it never stays too slow. Right. I liked how the, um, the quicksand scene kind of how that gets paid off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where the main character Nehru kind of stumbles upon some quicksand. Yeah. Um, and, uh, other just general thoughts I really liked. I thought it was a kind of a cool predator. You know, like the mask is slightly different, but it still has a lot of cool new weapons, you know, weapons w- with a new twist, you know, right. like um, like it's detonation bombs kind of do slightly different things. Yeah. But yeah, I, um, yeah, I was, I was sure. Cause so like I saw, I saw Prey pretty quickly after seeing another action movie, which I, I want to bring up later. Yeah. And then, and then also after seeing Carter and R and Triple R, such a full plate of action, yeah, action. And it was just like I was like, it was hard for me to even rank mm. Prey. Like, what did I like more? Like, did I like Prey more than Carter? Like, because mm. I, because like it, it's a really satisfying watch ultimately. Yeah. Um, although I was, I, I will say, I was confused at times, like. Um, when she first stumbles upon the French trappers and there's like a, and like it was confusing because I thought the predator was also there. So I was confused. Why didn't the predator attack the French trappers? Um, you know, like right when she gets captured, Mm. I guess. Yeah. So, and, and then following the silent narration at the end, 
Well, I'm sorry, sorry. It, there's not like a narration, but just the narrative of, you know, she takes the masks and she takes the predator's mask and she creates this whole trap setup. Hmm. I wasn't following it. I wasn't quite understanding. Wait, what is she doing? Why? Yeah. And then why does this work? Like, like I kind of had to like rewatch that a mm-hmm. couple times to kind of try to get it. So it wasn't just like a home run, right? At, at the end, like it yeah. was a little confusing. Yeah, it's not the Arnie covering yourself in mud and then uh, mm-hmm. doing the roar with the, yeah. <laughs> the torch and like, do it, kill me, kill me now. <laughs> I'm here, I'm here, do it. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, so good. And then you know, just all those booby traps that he sets up. But yeah. I mean, you know, that relates to what you were talking about with the predator's technology, where you know, um, there's this kind of back to basics, like primitive aspect of it. Because I mean, you know, I really want to highlight it. I mean, you know, obviously his his screen is not as um, you know, mm-hmm. his uh, heads up display is not yeah. as uh, as complex as the the predator 300 years later mm-hmm. um the mask is also like it's a skull instead of like an actual helmet right. um yeah and uh the i really like the the older version of the three dots laser where yeah. you know the original well uh, i guess the future one is that he shoots a laser that blasts like your head through or your chest uh, this uh-huh. one, it's actually three metal arrows that shoot right. at you, and uh, yeah, I like that it was, it was showing that this is the origins of of that without like verbalizing it or explaining it. I mean, I think that's the beauty of most of the the Predator movies is that a lot of these um, the humans that are coming face to face with it are in over their heads. I I can't speak to the Predator because I just heard that it was just so bad that I never bothered to watch yeah. it. But all the Predator movies are are on Hulu, by the way. So oh, cool. uh, if you if anybody wants to revisit them, there's a chance. Because yeah. I started watching like after I watched Prey, I immediately started watching Alien versus Predator, the first one. Uh, yeah. But I just fell asleep. But I was enjoying uh, it for uh, like uh, yeah. yeah. I I really enjoy AVP. Okay. Like there's something about it. It's it's I I think because they. They they took a bold swing, you mm-hmm. know, like almost like Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, where exactly. It's like, we're gonna combine these two franchises, and it could be awful. Trying to yeah. trying to weave the the narratives, right, and um and make it work. And I don't know. I really thought a in AVP they kind of made it work, and mm-hmm. um you know it's kind of ancient aliens sort of a a vibe, which is really popular nowadays. And, um, and also they, it was, it's the first one that they brought to earth. Mm. Um, well, no, 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 actually, no, it's sorry. It's the first time that they brought the alien to earth. Like, cause right. like you're, you're always curious about like, yeah, what would the alien do on earth? Yeah. Um, so that was kind of fun. And then also it's like temple of doom where it's like, you have this fun temple mm. of like trap doors and, <laughs> you know, walkways and contraptions. And so it's kind of. I don't know. It's like this nice contained thing. Once you get into once right. you, you know, once you get into it. Um, so yeah, I really like a- AVP. Uh, I, I think it's 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 worth a watch. It definitely suffers from not having, I don't know, a more memorable lead. Right. Um, like it kind of has two leads, and they kind of aren't as badass mm-hmm. as like like Nehru and her brother are clearly awesome. Yeah. So well, that funny. really. 
carries it. Yeah, let's address some of the criticisms um, of of Prey that that people okay. will say. So one of the things is that you know, uh, well, there was a, a preemptive criticism, which I'm glad that was like easily diffused, which was that you know Nehru was going to be like this um, uh, Mary Sue like OP female character that's just gonna like you know go toe to toe with a predator. And mm-hmm. that's not exactly what happens. Like she basically relies on her cunning and her wits. You know, it's not she's not going to be like as powerful as the predator right. is. But you know, one of the criticisms about I mean, I love Amber Mid Thunder by the way. Like, and I yeah. enjoy her performance. But one of the criticisms is that oh, she doesn't. She's not really a character. There's not much personality to her. You know, she's like very stoic, and um, you know, like. She doesn't really mm-hmm. evolve in the end, you know. Like, there's no sure. development. How do you feel about that? Yeah, um, I don't know. I I just kind of like like her. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a just a intrinsic quality that she has that I'm just like, oh, this person is interesting. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, like, um, so it's like I can't really explain it. Um, that there's just like charisma, and I want to see what she does in this. Uh, in this narrative. So, right. I, I, yeah, I wasn't as worried about her arc. I was already, like, um, just in on the the chemistry, I guess, or the, mm-hmm. yeah, just that, that quality that she has. So yeah. um, in trying to re-see the film through that filter, you know, her arc is essentially, it's, you know, it could have been, it could be worse, you know, like, <laughs> like, like, like it could have been really... Mm-hmm you know handheld where you know her tribe or you know her people like really beat her down and she's really teased hard and all this mm-hmm. stuff and like and that's the arc is that her overcoming that right but i kind of I, but i kind of like that they dulled that and yeah you know there was just a little bit of what are you doing here you shouldn't be here mm-hmm. but then also like all right well you're here so come along yeah. and oh oh thanks for bringing all these herbs oh these herbs help and yeah. Um I did like that that narrative of the herb that kind of can cool the body and, ha- and how that kind of plays in. It was like, "Oh, okay, that's like a new thing we haven't seen in these films." Um and, and it it's it, it's a nice addition of information to the world that we already know in the predator verse of he can see heat. Yeah. So it's just like a nice little addition, you know? Yeah. I mean? Yeah, and and also again with the the primitive technology is showing that his his um his heat vision isn't as strong as later predators, you know. Right. Um, that, yeah, and he can't and he can't toggle to something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, he would lose them in like the tall grass, you know, <laughs> like that. Right. Yeah. 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 That kind of thing. So, um, yeah, and I to me it was actually all like essential to stripping everything down that i mm-hmm. i didn't need the characters to be that well defined you know i didn't yeah. need to like really care about them even though you know there's just this thing like she just has that natural charisma i feel that like you know i i i care about her surviving obviously but like i when i looked at the other characters i actually have this in my notes i was just like oh yeah this is more predator fodder like let me see them like get murdered by yeah. the predator <laughs> like this is what i want to see you yeah, know? exactly. Um, and yeah, there was actually one like kind of concerning moment where I thought it was gonna go into a dark place, which was when, um, you know, when they find her, uh, the, the, you know, her her tribe, like the the men, yeah, 
and then her brother kind of leaves her to like go somewhere else. Like I thought they were gonna assault her or something. Assault like yeah, something, yeah, it seemed like the you know it was leaning towards that direction, but obviously they got attacked by the predator. Yeah, and um, oh, this is the other strange thing too. It's like we already know, I guess, what a predator is and all these things, but it really does take its time to reveal it. Even though the reveal was really cool, like I love the. The, you know, the holding the bear on top of it and the, the blood like going over its uh, invisible like silhouette. Like that mm-hmm. was awesome. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, it's like, I don't think we needed to take that long to get to that point. <laughs> yeah. You know, because, um, yeah. yeah, we already have an idea of, of what a predator looks like and all those things. Like if this was the f- very first predator movie, then yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, long build up. That's great. You yeah. know, um but yeah, I mean, the, the, there was just so much to enjoy about it. I love the sound design of the mm-hmm. movie too. You know, not just the the predators, obviously the familiar sounds that we've heard, like you know how he hears uh, thermal vision and like his clicking sound. I don't know how to do it, <laughs> but we yeah. know that predator clicking sound. Oh, um, so good. Yeah. How did you feel about that point where? Um, I mean, you know, we're it's it's on streaming. Anybody who yeah. who's seen it has probably seen it at this point. Um, how did you feel about uh, her hesitating when she had that chance to shoot the predator, and he was basically killing his brother, <laughs> killing her brother? Yeah, that part was a little like, okay, this is this is a movie. Yeah, you know, <laughs> right? It, 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 it felt very movie, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a little odd. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought um, it felt like that was, should have been the ending. Yeah. Like, okay, you're there. You can save your brother. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you? Other than it was too scary to, or, you know, you know. Um, yeah. So that's the part that's like the most, okay, movie I guess, mm-hmm. of like, okay, well, we don't want her to, to, to win yet. We want it to save it till it's nighttime and it's more dramatic and it's one-on-one. Yeah. Um, because and and to the movie's credit, it does kind of pay off, and that is the classic predator setup. You know, like that's what makes the first predator really great is the final one-on-one showdown at night. Right. So and and there are a lot of callbacks to the original in this one, sure. Which which uh, I I definitely enjoy. So I can kind of see why they wanted to get to that. But it, yeah, it just felt like a, a classic kind of movie yeah, plot it was device. A, yeah, yeah, it was a device. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. Like, it just feels that way. And yeah. I mean, even I, I I wasn't completely satisfied with, you know, the the using of the helmet against yeah. him. Like, yeah. it kind of was dumb. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just how that that wasn't. Um. Yeah. I I. The movie is pretty gory, but I wanted to see her like cut that predator's head off. Yeah, <laughs> like totally. I wanted to see that. Yeah, just like the the slicing of it. <laughs> just you know, yeah. yeah, and how heavy the head would have been for mm-hmm. her to like carry it. Totally. Um, but yeah, overall, like I think this is the you know the fresh injection that the franchise needed. You know, just like a restart. I'm glad it's not you know a soft reboot. Yeah. You know, um, it's uh, yeah, it, it feels unique um, mm-hmm. to because I mean, I I I feel that's the other thing about the other Predator movies that they they're often set in like 
contained spaces you know mm -hmm. uh you know obviously the first one was in a jungle the <laughs> predators is also in a jungle yeah so yeah. having these wide planes and wide vistas is, is refreshing to see that in mm -hmm. in the franchise cool. so yeah yeah, good. yeah I, I think i i should definitely try to watch predators just to mm. kind of see yes. it um so if, if we're going to do rankings yeah, um, I, I would say it. my least favorite of the ones I've seen is AVP two, um, <laughs> Requiem. <laughs> that one is just. Um, so, have you gotten to the end of AV AVP? No, I, I still have okay. yet to pick okay. it up again. Well, there's yeah, a pretty interesting. Okay, I don't want to overly blow up the ending, but there's a pretty interesting mm -hmm. thing that happens at the end, and okay. essentially AVP two kind of like. Con like the first 10 minutes is interesting because it continues off of what happens at the end of AVP, but then the rest, gotcha. it suffers from bad characters, bad, making bad choices. And then like really bad, I think in, in editing, they fucked up the color correction. It's just oh, like, no. it's, it's really dark. It's like known as like one of the darkest movies you'll see. <laughs> and it makes it really hard. Like, I think they were going for like a gritty 2000s like rainy kind of feel yeah. almost like you would see in like the the texas chainsaw massacre kind of reboots mm -hmm. and it just was too dark and so gotcha. you can't like when the predators are fighting the aliens in this colorado town you just it's in, at night like, you, like it's hard to see what's happening so anyways so yeah. i would definitely pass on avp2 um so mm -hmm. really so predator the, the first predator is still, still number one so for me, what's the, is is do I think Prey is better than AVP? And mm. um, it's tough because AVP has it 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 went for something bold, and it to me it pulled it off, even though it's maybe it's like a really great B movie, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Whereas this is like a solid, you know, A level movie. Um, but would I want to rewatch it? So I think, I think I would probably rewatch AVP before I rewatched Prey, um, just because it's funner. So I think I would have yeah. I would go. So I go Predator, AVP, then Prey, but that's based on rewatchability and fun, not necessarily mm -hmm. on what I think is like the better movie to put you know into the you know the pantheon. Gotcha. Well, what about Predator Two? Where where oh, right. is that? Like? Oh, right. I, I, I forgot that one. So that's the one in L.A. You got Danny Glover. Yeah. Um, right. God, I really liked it when it came out because it was so gory. Mm. Um, is was is is Gary Busey in it or Nick Nolte? Like so, someone's in it. Um, she, Gary Busey. Yeah. yeah, it's Gary Busey. Um, yeah. but I think ultimately, yeah. I I thought the movie was just too messy, like mm. too um. Although I do like the ending of Predator too, how? Gotcha. But yeah, I don't know. I so I did you catch that um, tie-in of the ending of Prey to two? What what happens? So um, Danny Glover is handed that pistol that the um, oh. you know sixteenth century or eighteenth uh, century pistol. Yeah, and it's the same pistol she's holding at the end of uh. And she got it from the fur trappers. Right. But what that implies, which is also what I like, because you know, um, oh. 
the uh, parade doesn't have a post credit sequence, yeah. but the story does continue through the credits. But it's through like kind of um, the animation uh, paintings, yeah, yeah, the animated like paintings, uh, um, and it's kind of done in like uh, you know um, when they use the the hide of the cow as like the yeah. the canvas, um, and uh, yeah, it it kind of continues that story because what that implies is that the predator came back or they you know they probably brought a team of predators because the first predator that that we see in prey is like i guess the scout the scout and they bring (laughs) yeah they bring back like uh, an army that's more advanced and then they you know they get that pistol back and you know obviously if they get it back they kill the entire tribe which is you know i guess the historical context is um you know obviously the the first nation you know a lot of them there was genocide, you know, but it's implying that it wasn't just the white people who came to the new world. It was also predators yeah. that wow. helped that's a, murder That's them. a pretty cool tie-in. That might bump prey yeah. above a- AVP for me now. That's, yeah. that's a really cool... Okay, cool. I'll have to watch that, that post-credit scene. So, uh, unfortunately, Predator 2 is not one of my, my favorites. Like, it's just... There's oh. something about it. I just... um, I just don't like seeing the Predator in L.A., like fighting gang members. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the the fact that it's also like minorities, it's kind of like, and then, I mean, you know, the predator has dreadlocks. You know? Yeah, true. <laughs> but yeah. it's just like, is he, it, why is he only targeting these gangs? Like, yeah. It's, it's kind of like um, predator deep cover or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right. But uh, yeah. So, but I do like the ending. So yeah, I think mm. I, I. But yeah, I, I would have it fourth. I would have Predator mm. Two as my fourth favorite. I, 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 I gotcha. Think, I think I would. I like Prey, and I would watch Prey above watching yeah. Predator Two. Well, yeah, definitely report back on uh, when you've seen Predators because okay, cool. uh, I want to know where that slots in in your rankings. Cool. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that number one is the original predator there's just yeah. no way mm-hmm. like i'd be shocked if somebody even yeah. though you know uh th- that's the thing i avoided watching most of the sequels because uh yeah they just had such a bad reputation especially two um so i actually haven't seen i didn't see like these recent movies until recently mm-hmm. oh, like cool. um yeah so um uh but i know like part of it like what finally like got me over the hump to watching two was that I I mean I have some friends who championed it like uh, Scott Thorough and um, uh, Martin Kessler and you know it's it's been mm-hmm. getting that kind of revival on the internet that there are these people who champion too like they really actually think that it's great and then you know yeah. the other kind of uh, uh, offshoot with uh, uh, Alien versus Predator the first one is that it's directed by Paul W S Anderson. Not to be confused with PTA, right? Um, who's known for like, because you know, Alien vs Predator was actually based on a video game, and most of his he's he's done a lot of video game adaptations. Obviously, the Resident Evil movies, the um, Mortal Kombat, the original Mortal Kombat. Um, uh, yeah, so he, he's he's been doing a lot of of uh, video game adaptations. And um, yeah, that there's no exception. But he also has his champions. Like there's people like you uh-huh. know the, the 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 those guys who are like vulgar tourists who like him. You know, so yeah, there's and Martin Kessler again. Shout out to Martin Kessler. He he also is a big fan of W Paul W S Anderson. And from what I have seen from him, 
Like, you know, because Event Horizon is another movie that, that people are kind of reappraising. I, I enjoy his movies. Like, you know, I have, I've never seen any of the Resident Evil films, but uh, from what I've seen, like, yeah. I, so, and I'm totally on board with with Alien versus Predator because it's it's in my wheelhouse of, you know, group of people uh, all getting killed off one by one and mm-hmm. surviving. That's like, yeah, that's totally yeah. my jam. And then I like that, even that, that added thing of like, you know, each team member has like their own expertise. Right. You know, yeah. and the, the ties to the Indiana Jones thing of like the one of them is an, uh, you know, uh, archaeologist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, oh yeah, how did you feel about the tie in too with, with the alien, uh, lore with, uh, Bishop actually being made into the likeness of, um, uh, Waylon. Uh, Waylon. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't mind it. I know it might kind of make some people mad, but to me, it's like um, I I just like Lance Hendricks, and so it's just like mm-hmm. like to have to have him be the one person in the movie that you recognize. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was just so happy to see him yeah. that it, it was like, yeah, like I'll I'll deal with this plot thing that's a little funky. <laughs> like it's just it's just cool. To, you know, it's like. Like, like, would you rather have him in it or not in it? You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. To me, it was a pleasant surprise, and I mean, you know, the two Alien versus Predator movies are are generally maligned and like uh, yeah. not considered to be part of the canon. Sure. And um, uh, and then that was the whole thing that I think was a missed opportunity with the Ridley Scott movies. Um, when he went back to the Alien franchise, well, at least Prometheus, mm-hmm. that. You know why cast Guy Pierce under all that makeup? You know because they were just so desperate to break off from the previous movies, and it's like this is us starting over again. Like, yeah, yeah he, he could have just cast Lance Hendrickson um, as Wayland in Prometheus. You yeah, know? yeah, agreed. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I, I would say Predator is a solid, fun, enjoyable movie, and uh, I really do hope it it helps the. It's kind of writing the ship with the, the franchise, and it, yeah. it heads further in that direction. So, so would you put Prey as like the number two in the franchise? Um, no, I to me it's still in the middle. I actually do really like Predator two. Oh, cool! And then good. it would be behind Predators. Predators would be three. Oh, good for me. Okay, and then I, got, uh, I gotta watch that one. Yeah, I think. Um, I don't know. I even just like from what I've seen of Alien versus Predator, I I might even rank it ahead of, of Prey. Like you know, that's yeah. just a testament to it. Um, yeah, I still enjoy it. Yeah, I should definitely give Predator Two maybe a rewatch. I think mm-hmm. just like I don't know, there's something about the the cinematography that just rubs me the wrong way. I think it's just. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think in Predator Two the the weapons the predator has are pretty iconic yeah the spear right the spear yeah the the net that kind of cuts through you Mm. You oh yeah you see that a lot in predator and then um the discs like the kind of boomeranging discs i feel like that's that's more of a thing in predator Mm -hmm. too yeah so um the weapons are definitely get an upgrade there and I but and I think the final showdown ultimately Danny Glover has to use a weapon against the predator, mm. which I, you which you kind of see again in Prey. So um, yeah, the ending the endings, you know, Predator has a lot of really good endings. I would say yeah. Prey the Prey ending is probably below the Predator two ending for yeah. sure. 
Predator 2 has a really cool ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and but now that I've given you that little Easter egg and what yeah. it kind of implies, you know, yeah. you'll you'll see it in a different way. Okay, I like it. Go <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. Good. All right. So you said you had one more movie. Can I just like take a little like uh, diversion yeah, and do, do a, a Scott take? Oh, here, here we go. Scott take. All right. Let's hear it. Okay, so um, I recently rewatched uh, Kingpin because I've, I've oh, actually yeah. been going bowling a lot recently, <laughs> and I kind of oh. want to do it more. So I rewatched uh-huh. Kingpin, and I think it's better than The Big Lebowski. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that is gonna I piss really off do. some people, not me, because <laughs> yes. I I am a big Kingpin fan as well. But that, yeah. that is definitely a hottie, hottie, hottie. Um, yeah, yeah. Why? What's going on? Okay, well. Firstly, Big Lebowski isn't a bowling movie. Bowling is just like a, a backdrop in the film. It's not right. really about bowling. It's about the dude mm-hmm. and like kind of the misadventures that he gets into. But um, Kingpin is about bowling, you know. Yep. And uh, it it was uh, like it's amazing how it slots directly between you know the Farrelly brothers' two biggest hits, which are Dumb and Dumber and uh, There's Something About Mary. But it was, you know, it didn't do that well. It kind of just like um, picked up on on video, uh, and it, I think they blamed like the '96 Olympics because <laughs> oh. it came out around the same time, so nobody really watched it. But I mean, it, it's it's such an enjoyable film. I yeah. mean, you know, the gross out stuff. I it's weird now, like how I'm more grossed out by it today than I was back yeah. then. Yeah. Like the whole thing with the landlady, you know, with Lin Shade, one of their favorite actresses that they've used over and over again. Oh, right. That uh, she's yeah. like trying to have sex with them or whatever. Yeah. And then she's, there's that line because he's puking afterwards. And then he's, she's like, something about great sex that makes me want to take a crap. Yeah. <laughs> and that makes him puke even more. Yeah. And then the, yeah, obviously the milking of uh, their cow. And then it's like, we don't have a cow. Right. We yeah. Have a that, bull. That's, that's <laughs> one of the great lines. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's such an enjoyable movie. And it, it's weird. Like, I, it actually also reminded me of um, another film I saw recently that I brought up last episode with Bill that I, I watched Color of Money. Um, again, and it actually kind of follows a similar trajectory to uh, the color of money. It's like they're, you know, they're hustling people, you know, like by pretending to be, you know, um, uh, kind of patsies for for bowling. And then, you know, in color of money, it's uh, it's billiards. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's like this old master trying to teach this young gun who may like actually uh, lack certain discipline, but he's re- obviously very talented. And there's a reason why the other guy doesn't, you know, do the sport anymore. And then, you know, it climaxes with that tournament where the the master actually ends up having to participate in mm-hmm. it, you know. Um, and, yeah, it's just so well done. Like, I mean, it, I, I even think, like, it's one of Bill Murray's best performances. Like, he's totally. just so good. <laughs> Totally. as a bad guy and you know his uh, bowling ball with the rose inside it it's just his hair amazing. yeah oh yeah this, that's another thing I wanted to bring up it's like peak for comb overs like Woody yeah. Harrelson and him both having the comb overs and in the climactic like you know um, battle it's like the comb overs are going crazy they're kind of falling on the side yeah. And, it's, oh, yeah, and like man. I love how he's like in the world of Kingpin 
Mm-hmm. Big Earn McCracken is like this like star. <laughs> he's beloved. He's he's kind of thought of in this like a little more of like a wholesome way, like like a wholesome star. Even right. though clearly as <laughs> us the viewer, we see he's like touching every woman he's around <laughs> and like really lurid and gross and sweaty. But but it's so funny that it's like in the world like they're seeing a totally different guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then they they have the full like ESPN presentation of it too, which also yeah. adds to that veneer of like, oh yeah, that um, this is like basically a manufactured PR look mm-hmm. for him. But we see all the behind the scenes and like even just that little cutaway to that commercial that he does, where he's he's acting as like um. Uh, a surrogate dad yeah. for single moms <laughs> but it's obviously he just wants to get with the single moms and yeah, like it's yeah. so blatant like yeah. I think that uh, she gra- he grabs her boob or something <laughs> yeah. when he puts his arm I can't remember what exactly totally. that gesture he does but yeah it's so good um, and yeah I mean th- that's really it like uh, Vanessa Angel too is great even though oh, yeah. like she never got out of that sexy lady supporting role yeah. thing. And I looked her up and, you know, she still looks great. And she's almost like 60 years old. Right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. The only thing that I guess I would give the edge to the Big Lebowski for is the soundtrack. Like, I think, you know, the, the, there's something about Kingpin's soundtrack that's a little more kind of generic and not as hand-picked as the soundtrack for Big Lebowski you know, like, I mean, um, Captain Beefheart's Her Eyes Are a bil- Blue Million Miles is such a great track. Um, and, yeah, the only music that was memorable for me with um, with the Kingpin was the end credits with Blues Traveler. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. that that song was it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, dude. Well, happy it made it into your uh, your canon there. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not in the it, canon. It's a Scott take. Oh, sorry, just, Scott take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get to the canon in a All bit. Right. But uh, All right, that's a yeah. uh, hold on. Mm-hmm. Corrections and retractions. Uh, yeah, th- this <laughs> there we is go. Not, we found a th- place for it. This is not in the canon. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Well, good man. Mm-hmm. So you said you had another movie? Yeah, I got one more that I want to cover here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a loose thread too. Um. I have seen the Raid Redemption. Wow, you haven't seen it before? Yeah, for oh, wow. I, think, I think I brought this up long, you know, earlier in the season that this was a movie that I had lied about seeing. So like, <laughs> oh. when it when it first came out, you know, all of our cousins and you know people I knew mm-hmm. were like, "Dude, have you seen the Raid Redemption? Yet? You gotta see the Raid Redemption." I'm like, "Okay, I'm gonna yeah. see it. I haven't seen it yet." And then a year passed. Maybe two years have passed, and then at some point it just became easier to say, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah I've seen it," even yeah. though I hadn't. So I finally got around to seeing it, and um, wow, 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 wow! I, I the raid kicks ass. What, yeah. what is is it? Is it an Indonesian film? Like, yes. Well, yeah. it's it's an interesting backstory. So it's Indonesian, but it's directed by a Welsh director, and okay. the the reason for it was that um, this guy. Um, Gareth uh, Edwards or Evans. I get confused with those two guys. I, <laughs> I need to get this right. Um, Gareth Evans, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Wait, uh, let's just be sure. Um, Gareth Evans. Yeah, Evans. yeah so um, 
he he you know he had been trying to to break into the British film industry, but uh, nothing was really sticking. So he was kind of getting depressed, and then his wife got a job in Indonesia, so they had to move there. And so while he was there, she was like, "Why don't you try making a movie over here? You know, and just see how it is." And then he he discovered um, this actor who's also a martial artist, um, Iko. Uh, Uwais. I'm yeah, not sure if I'm pronouncing so. it last name. Yeah. But this wasn't actually their first collaboration. They made another movie called Marintau, oh. uh, and that was their first movie. But this was the one that like just broke through. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was just uh, yeah, it really kind of uh, yeah, it put him on the map. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it basically changed uh, action movies. You know, like you can still see the influence to this day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like, um, I guess, yeah, because I'm seeing it now in retrospect, um, I thought it was amazing, but it's hard for me to know what, what, like, what did it revolutionize? Mm. Um, because, yeah, I think I've seen a lot of these tropes in subsequent, like, John Wicks and subsequent right. kind of films. I guess, like, what, yeah, like, what did it bring? Well, you know, uh, another thing, too, is, uh, you know, uh, Dread, the, um, the kind of reboot with uh, mm-hmm. um, Carl Urban, not the Sylvester Stallone movie. It's actually right. just a loosely veiled remake of of The Raid. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, one of the things that it did was basically just bring us back to, you know, the old school, like how Jackie Chan would shoot fight scenes where it, there wasn't a lot of cuts, mm-hmm. you know, that... A nice uh, wide shot, yeah. Yes, like you actually... And you saw the hits, like it wasn't cut cheating the hits in terms of like mm-hmm. cutting away from it or like trying to do crazy editing because that's basically where, you know, the direction it was going with um with those uh, Born Supremacy films and even James Bond, you know, which was highly inspired mm-hmm. by that where it's just like quick, too much quick cuts, you know. You yeah. don't really see how the moves are done because they're they're kind of shielding it through editing whereas yeah this one it's it's a bunch of wide shots um i also love how it combines like uh you know it's hand-to-hand combat it's it's knives it's like um bolos yeah. it's uh yeah yeah and guns you know yeah and like how it, it kind of combines all of those things and i think that's rarely been seen like you know usually when you have an action film it, it stays in one lane where it's all just shootouts or it's all just yeah. hand-to-hand combat you know um and yeah not really martial arts you know if you have yeah. like a shootout that has hand-to-hand combat it's usually not martial arts as yeah. well you know like although I, I haven't really seen that many movies of scott adkins but i want to get into <laughs> you know mm-hmm. i want to do a deep dive and um he seems to be one of those few guys who combines like gunfights and mm-hmm. like uh, uh martial arts Totally. Um, yeah, I, like I really enjoyed like in the first half hour, 45 minutes, you feel the panic of, um, mm-hmm. you know, they get into those first couple floors and things are going okay. But then a spotter sees them and they press the button that then no- notifies all, everybody that there's, you know, that they have guests uh, ultimately in the, yeah. in the apartment. And you feel the dread. And they have to then, it's like a cluster. They have to just break into rooms, use what's in the that room to try to deal with their attackers, 
escape, you know, either through like make a hole in the floor or through the roof and get to another floor. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, The windows aren't safe to be near. Like there's just a lot of like circumstances um, that they put you through, you know, it's kind of, you know, Carter kind of draws on some of the ideas that the raid had, you know, with these kind of long fight sequences having one person to deal with many. Yeah. But um, I don't know. The pacing of the raid was really good. Um, You know, it gives you enough breaks and breathers and the breathers make sense. And you don't, yeah. And you don't get a lot of plot. You don't get a ton of why, why are they here? You know, slowly information kind of gets revealed about the Lieutenant or about his brother. Um, And so, yeah, it's just a, it's really yeah back to basics in a way, but they built on the basic format in a mo- modern way, and um, yeah, it's just a, it's just it's great. It's a home run. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I just can't believe that you just saw this. Like, and yeah, I, I was referring to the raid two for yeah. my well, my that's review all, of that's in my queue. Yeah, oh, dude. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, I guess yeah, we, we'll discuss it once you get around to seeing it, but. Uh, I think people have a lot more issues with the second one oh, compared to this damn. one. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I, I like two better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like... think, I, I, I think amongst the family raid two has a high regard. I think yeah. whenever I've asked family members like, or, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we'll go like, Hey, what are your f- top five action films? Raid mm-hmm. two gets mentioned a lot. So, right. so I'm excited to, uh, take it on. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, also yeah, I, I, just going back to this one, um, yeah, the the characters. So a lot of these actors I've never seen before, and they're all memorable. They have a cool look, you know. Just yep. like it's it's just like it's it's great, you know. It um it really works. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I mean like yeah, Joe uh, Ta- Taslim's uh, mustache, you know. <laughs> It's yeah. so iconic, and yeah. I, I didn't even know he was in uh, Fast and the Furious Six. Like, yeah, he, he's been in quite a few Hollywood movies. Oh yeah, he's in Mortal Kombat. He's Sub Zero in Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah, yeah, and he's and he's uh, Kung. He's also uh, oh, he's Bihan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah. so good. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad that you know. I mean, uh, Eco hasn't had as as, as kind of a. Um, I guess impactful career in Hollywood movies because I think they they miscast him a lot. Like he was wasted in uh in that's in the first Star Wars uh, reboot. What was that? Um, uh, Force Awakens. Like he has like a brief yeah. scene, and I think the guy who's playing Mad Dog, you know, the guy he fights with the yeah, fluorescent light. He's really light. good. Yeah, he's also in in Force Awakens. They're like part of the same team, but it's like they just get eaten by that beast, and yeah, that's, that's it. Like, yeah, and then oh, he was also in um, Stuber, uh, which was kind of disappointing. He was the bad guy in Stuber, oh. which I really wanted to like that movie a lot, but uh, yeah, yeah, it yeah it's always a bummer when you see a character that you love and then they get like a really small part. You're just like, ah, oh, yeah, God damn it. Oh, um, right. Just want to go back since since you mentioned this actor, Joe. Taslim, who played mm-hmm. uh, Sub Zero, I had something in my soundboard from like a long time ago. Back when we were thinking of back like the early days when we were even thinking like germinating the idea of movie food, 
we were talking about maybe we we would talk about Mortal Kombat. And yeah. so in the soundboard, I just have to just get get rid of this one soundbite. Here we That's go. It. Behind! There you go. So it's just, uh, <laughs> it's, it. just it's just uh, <laughs> nice. Scorpion yelling Bihan. Nice. Okay. Good. All right. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That was uh. You you kind of caught me like off guard with this. I didn't really know that it was gonna be the raid. And you yeah, know, we it's almost like it's a perfect like bookend. We start with Carter and then we end with the the raid. But I got two more. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, good to go. Um, yeah. So I I guess this uh, this isn't part of um Carlos canon, but it's a movie that basically is gonna segue, okay, towards uh, Carlos canon. So um, uh, it's it's a movie I also saw very recently. And the reason why I actually decided to seek it out was um, I saw somebody post on Twitter, like, images from the film, and I thought they were photographs. Like, I couldn't believe that it was actually stills from a movie. Mm. Like, they were just so beautifully composed, and, you know, it was in black and white, so the lighting was very dramatic, you know. Um, and it's it's uh, the most recent film by um, Jacques Audiard. Are you familiar with this director? Nope, I am not. Um, he he was definitely one of the more controversial uh, uh, Palm d'Or winners at Cannes uh, for this film called Deepan, which people were like, "What? You know, like, uh-huh. what is this movie?" And they, like, it was a it was a jury that was headed by the Coen Brothers too, and that was their pick for <laughs> the best movie of the festival. Uh, oh. Yeah, and it's it's part of the Criterion Collection, but I. I I don't know anybody who would say that that's like one of their favorite movies, you know, but his earlier films, uh, it definitely has champions. Like he really broke through with this film called the a prophet, which is great. Um, I personally like, um, uh, the beat that my heart skipped. Uh, and that's a really fun movie. Um, and it's, it, it's kind of a loose remake of James Toback's fingers, but Audiard is a is a filmmaker that's hard to put your finger on. Like he he's not a director where you can say he has like hallmarks that are immediately identifiable, but he definitely has his own identity. You mm-hmm. know, um, I I'm I probably would say it, it relates more to how he um, he portrays humanity in his films and the types of characters that he chooses to portray. Too, they all are kind of. Um, slightly off kilter and on the outside and um they they have a way of like navigating through the world that's unique to them you know i guess that that's how you would identify a an audiard film but like visually they they all look very different like uh actually another recent film he made which most people ignored i think it, it's his english language debut it was this western called um uh the sisters brothers and it was a <laughs> Yeah, and it, it on paper, like I would actually be down to see it. I, I still haven't, but uh, I had a friend who's seen it and was disappointed by it. But you know, it has uh, John John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix as brothers, and it's a western. Whoa! <laughs> so, and it's actually based on a true story too. So I'm like, okay, maybe you know, um, yeah. I'll give it a shot. But it wasn't like as compelling as this. Where I was like, I gotta go out and and find this movie. And this movie is actually playing. Um, on um on movie as well, um so the the French title is Les Olympiades or Paris 13e arrondissement, 
or cool. Paris 13th District is the English title. Okay. So uh, most people actually don't know what the Le Olympiad like stands for, like what it means, but it's actually the nickname of that district in Paris. And it's uh it's one of the biggest like Chinatowns in um uh in Europe, actually. So uh the whole thing that the hook for me was really that when I first saw the poster for the movie, I was like, Oh, I know this um this artist who did this poster. It's oh, uh Adrian cool. Tomini. Or uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Tomini. Yeah, but yeah. um uh, he's he's one of my favorite graphic novelists, um, and I, you know his work uh, is so significant to me that actually my my iPhone wallpaper is by him. And then I didn't even realize this until I delved deeper that even my profile picture on Steam and what I use on Counter Strike is also a drawing by by Adrian Tomini. Wow! Yeah, no but way. he yeah he has this style that's just like immediately like I was attracted to it. I was mm-hmm. I gravitated to it. Uh, I mean, I definitely think he's a better illustrator than he is a writer. <laughs> I'll say that. You know, I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I think I find like a lot of his. He does mainly like um, uh, short stories in 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 comic book form, and he's been compiling it in this ongoing compilation called Optic Nerve. And then sometimes mm-hmm. they will separate into like their own uh, like graphic novel, where it would be like um, uh, uh, Summer Blonde. Or um, uh, the first book I ever read by him was actually a sleepwalk. I mean, I was just attracted to it because of that title. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, his most famous, well-known work that came from Optic Nerve, which exists now as its own standalone graphic novel, is um, uh, Shortcomings, which is like uniquely like about you know Asian American experience, and it's not really something that you see that often, not even in movies. You know the the way that he he portrays it because. One of the things when you read an Adrian Tomine book is just how he nails the emotional uh, tenor of um, of moments. You know, like mm. uh, the thing that attracted me so much about Sleepwalk, like the first story in it, is actually just um, a girl visiting an ex in the middle of the night, and then they go for a walk. And you know, that to me was like uh, such a beautiful like premise for a short story. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when I saw the poster and then I I read into it, it's like it actually says based on the stories of Adrian Tomini. I was like, wow, this is like the first official adaptation of his work, and it's in French, and it's like been moved from, uh, uh, you know, uh, shortcomings is based on in the Bay Area, and then some of his other work is set in New York, um, and now he's moved it to Paris, and it totally works, you know, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, so it's based on three stories. Uh, one of them is from Summer Blonde. I mentioned it before. It's called a Hawaiian getaway. And then the other two are, um, uh, from killing and dying, which was one of his more recent books, which I, I kind of didn't really like (laughs) because, uh, I just feel like, uh, his work is heading towards this thing where, um, it's, uh, it's getting very bitter and cynical, which I find ironic because he like he got married and he seems to be very happily married. And I don't know why the work is becoming like an old man, like grumpy old man, which is, I think like Daniel Klaus, his work is the guy who wrote ghost world. His work is also Mm -hmm. heading in that direction. 
uh, it, it just feels like a really bitter pill to swallow. Like, um, there's one story in Killing and Dying that's called the the art of uh horti sculpture, and the man who does the horti sculpture, he basically makes sculptures out of plants. It's like, yeah, he's just so bitter and mean, and it's just like, man, I can't take this. Like, this is, you know, um, but yeah, the good news is, uh. The short stories that the uh, Audiard adapts, he makes them better. You know, <laughs> like he adds more nuance to it. Like um, the thing with yeah. yeah, Tamine that he can be accused of is maybe he he's he's oversimplifying it sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, uh, the Tamine eventually moved on to like doing color comics, but shortcomings and I think um. The, the story Hawaiian... Oh, no, Hawaiian Getaway was also in color. But the decision to make this into black and white is just incredible because I, I, I feel like a lot of black and white these days when people make that decision, it's very lazy. Mm-hmm. You know, what we tend to see is just like, um, oh, it was shot in color and they just basically toned it down. You know? Right, yeah. Um, like, I know, like, it's been much kind of um, ballyhooed about, like, you know... Um, there's actually three big movies that I want to mention that 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 have like black and white versions, but in their original release they were color. So we got Logan. You're familiar with Logan Noir, yeah, yeah. And then Mad Max Fury Road also has a black and white version, oh, and um, Parasite, the Bong Joon Ho film, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, and to me none of them work <laughs> in black and white. Yeah. Like the color was just so memorably used in the originals that it's just like, I can't like, especially like Logan, the gore is really toned down because it's in black and Mm -hmm. white, you know, and that's really what, what made it stand out, you know? Um, so, uh, so yeah, the choice to use black and white here was definitely like a creative, conscious, artistic choice. And it's just sumptuous. Like there's something about it. Like, um, it, it, the way he uses it, and I think this is also something that I come across when I try to take black and white photos, is that you want to get to this point where it has a glow about mm. it. Like the whites like have this um, softness to it, you know. Um, and yeah, the movie really achieves it, you know. And um, it has like great performances, um, uh, you know. The, and he really humanizes this, these characters and... It's also great to see. Um, uh, I'm a big fan of the actress Naomi, Naomi Merlant, who you know kind of broke through with people in a uh, uh, girl um, portrait of a lady on fire, and she mm-hmm. was great in that too. And yeah, she's fantastic in this. So people who like her, uh, they should see it for her. And you know, just the way it integrates the stories is great. Like the the killing and dying like title story that it also adapts is actually more peripheral and they added like a character that ties all three stories together um which wasn't in Tomini's um original story so that was great you know uh, how they did that yeah and it's just a wonderful film and nice. yeah i i would say it it's in my top films of the year so far maybe not enough to unseat carter <laughs> but yeah I think it's definitely going to be on my list at the end of the year and that's what I was thinking too because I liked it so much and like it's a movie that I know I'm going to be re-watching in the future I want to revisit it but there was just this thing of like it's not in the canon 
yeah. Yeah, it's not an instant shoe in yeah. for uh, a cool. you know first ballot Hall of Famer. Like it's not. Yeah. Um, but like I realize, like yes, um, very few of those are like that. Like I would say over the past five years, like one that was just like a shoe in for me was like Patterson. You know, right. that was my favorite movie of that year. And yeah, it was instant Carlos Cannon. Like I watched it five times. Yeah. You know? um, but uh, but yeah, there's certain movies that I, I need to let it grow. And But yeah, I will say with my end of the year lists, oftentimes like top two end up being inducted into the canon. Sure. Yeah. So shall we get into it? Carlos Cannon. Here we go. Excellent. All right, man. What's what's in the canon? So, I, I first before I get into the main movie, I just want to say an inductee for the canon. Mm-hmm. Um, from you know, just from what I was just talking about, like making it from the top of the list uh, of like year list. I want to say from last year, it took me half a year to to realize it, but yeah, the souvenir part two and part one two, both those two movies uh, deserve to be in Carlos canon. You know, so cool. Yeah, they now belong. Uh, they are uh, nominated and uh, they're going to get inducted. inducted. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, so uh, yesterday was, um, now we're recording it on August 23rd. August 22 was actually um, Dog Day Afternoon Day. Did you know that, Steve? August 22. Uh, I I sometimes remember this, but I yeah. forgot it this yeah. year. So, yeah, uh, Dog Day Afternoon was based on a true story, and it happened on August 22 mm-hmm. um, uh, in Brooklyn, New York. And I, I recently rewatched it. And it's funny. This is just a preamble. <laughs> this isn't oh, yeah, even yeah, the yeah. canon movie. Sure. But um, the reason why I bring it up, aside from the date being um, – relevant because it also was a film that I teetered on like should it be in the canon or not because I don't really feel that much like value for it like visually Um, but the emotion of the film is something that I feel like I will revisit and come back to so it's like it's bordering on on the canon It's, it's just right there but yeah I just wanted to get into that so um yeah let me ask you Steve how do you feel about the Beach Boys uh i god i i remember listening to them as a as kids it's like when you're a kid the music sounds so amazing and then now as an adult it's a little cheesy (laughs) you know gotcha uh but but yeah it's uh yeah they were they're great yeah (laughs) so so essential to um to growing up in southern california right yeah yeah it definitely it, it you know Beach Boys and Weezer always felt like the right music to listen to going headed to the beach. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. they, they seem like they're part of the same family tree, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so, um, yeah, it's just um, they, uh, Rivers Como added uh, crunching guitars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I always describe Weezer as like, it's, it's, they're a doo-wop band with heavy guitars. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, the reason why I ask is because um yeah, uh I my experience with the Beach Boys is actually the opposite. Like yeah, I just always thought that their music was fluff. Yeah. And then as I grew older, like pet sounds started to change for me. Like I was like oh. discovering all these weird things in it. 
Pet Sounds is crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, man, is this like a work of genius? And like, you know. Um, Mad genius. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And th- that's what I was thinking. And then I was just like, man, like um, it- it's been a recurring theme too that's been happening to me. I-, I missed out on so many movies in 2014, but I'm realizing how strong of a movie year that was too. Um, and this is my uh, my no- uh, inductee for Carlos Cannon is Love and Mercy. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is uh, inspired by the life of Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. Mm. And uh, just a weird coincidence. Like, Carlos Cannon is not going to be synonymous with uh, with just John Cusack. But John Cusack is in this movie again. So another <laughs> pick uh, with John Cusack. And, you know, I, I've been worried about John Cusack actually lately because... Uh, he was known for having this pattern of like, you know, I'll do one for me and one for them, you know, mm-hmm. but it seems sure. like he'd, he'd fallen into this trap of like, well, no, I'm just doing them all for them. Like, he just seems like he's, he's been kind of passive in a lot of his roles that he's been choosing. And I was mm-hmm. like, where's that movie? Where's that like gross point blank or the high fidelity? That's like something that means something to him. And you feel like Cusack is like engaged and yeah. love and mercy was that movie you know um but it is now we're approaching like 10 years you know well it's eight years uh since it was released so and i haven't really seen him in anything as good as this you know and i was really surprised at how much i liked it you know i i wasn't expecting that because you know generally i'm not really a fan of like biopics mm-hmm. and um I'm not familiar with the director. Um, I hadn't seen anything he had made before, Bill Polad, but I do know he produced Terrence Malick's Tree of Life. Like, he's had more success, I think, as a producer than as a director. Mm-hmm. But um, this is, like, the hook, like, the crux to me, which really uh, blew me away about the film, is the soundtrack, but not as you would expect. So, obviously, mm-hmm. it's an easy win to have those recognizable... Beach Boys songs, but uh, the the soundtrack, the score is actually by Atticus Ross, um, who you know is is more well known as being Trent Reznor's creative partner in making soundtracks. But mm-hmm. he goes solo here without Trent Reznor, and he basically created a soundtrack that's like uh, um, it's a sound collage that uses Beach Boy stems, and it's very experimental. Oh, cool! Yeah, and then you see what like Brian Wilson what was going on in Brian Wilson's head in terms of like composing because you know initially like something like wouldn't it be nice which is you know a great opener to pet sounds and mm. you know memorably used in uh <laughs> in 50 first dates like you know people was just like it's a pop song you know that's what it is. I took it on face value as a pop song but it it actually is very experimental in its composition and even just like yeah, the the majority of of Paul Dano plays the younger uh, Bo- Brian Wilson, so most mm-hmm. of the focus is on on the studio sessions for Pet Sounds, you know, and like how basically you know uh, a lot of them in the band didn't understand what he was getting at, like you know he was delving, yeah. and you know he wanted to make a a better album than Rubber Soul, you know that was his mm-hmm. goal, yeah, you know because uh, obviously you know um. Beach Boys and and the Beatles at that time were kind of rivals, but it ended up being like uh, 
uh, Pet Sounds was their undoing. You know, like uh, they mm-hmm. they never properly released um, what was supposed to be the follow up album to that Smile, even though there's like versions of it that are kind of floating around. The Smiley Smile album apparently is like the worst version of it. And then mm. there's the Smile Sessions, which um, I'm so annoyed is is like really hard to find on vinyl. Like I really want to find a copy of it. Um, and then Brian Wilson did an album called Smile, like I think in 2004. Um, okay. But yeah, it's just like the this kind of was it. And I think um, already at that time, also Brian Wilson wasn't touring with the band. So they would tour without him. Which is really strange, um, you know that he was still part of the band and he was composing music for the band and um, yeah, Paul Dano is is so good in it and I've always kind of been hard on him and kind of skeptical of his performances. I because I, I he always struck me as an actor um, that just he tries really hard, you know. Like to me, he's like yeah. uh, like Leo does that too. Like I'm I'm not entirely convinced that leo is a great actor um dicaprio Mm -hmm. obviously but um yeah yeah but they they try you know like i I appreciate that about them but he was a perfect balance in this you know like it didn't seem like he was uh, he was he was required to like shout like yeah that's really it to me when he he needs to like be very dramatic and he shouts like that's weak for me but when he's Yeah. yeah he really taps into um like just how Brian Wilson was at that time, you know, of just that kind of um this feels right to me and I'm just gonna follow it without <laughs> being concerned yeah. about what other people think. You know? Ugh, yeah. Which can be so scary. God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and yeah, it 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 also kind of deals with that price that you have to pay for for following, you know, that voice. Um, and not listening to everybody else because you know it really alienated him and it eventually led to to mental illness yeah and um yeah john cusack plays the older brian wilson and i also love this about the movie that they they kept apart from each other during the shoot so neither's performance affects the other so it's they're basically their interpretation of of brian wilson Mm-hmm. And yeah, Cusack is just so good. Like, um, just his scenes with um, with uh, Elizabeth Banks uh, are just you know they're very poignant, and uh, I just love how yeah Cusack plays this um you know um kind of not quite present guy, but he knows what he wants, and like <laughs> in a way that's his game. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's how he's able to pick up. Uh, Elizabeth Banks because she's you know uh, in a car showroom and he's like I want this car this exact car (laughs) and then she's just really she ends up being charmed by him but you know obviously he was also a genius Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah uh, something about uh, you know it also made me think about representation on film and you know uh uh, you know, being a Filipino, like, and actually, you know, that Joe Koi film came out recently. I still haven't gotten around to watching it. Uh, oh, Easter Sunday. It's you know. a movie. Yeah, no it's way. a movie. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's out in theaters right now. Um, oh, yeah. So that film, uh, I mean, just Filipinos in general, you know, they love getting represented on film. Uh, you know, there's like this kind of solidarity like the one of the actors who plays Joe Coy's brother I think in the movie is uh, Eugene Cordero and uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah he's, he yeah, showed up he, in a bunch of stuff you know he's a really funny guy yeah 
Um, totally. Yeah, but like, I I don't know. Like, I don't necessarily feel that same affinity that other Filipinos do when I see Filipinos on screen. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. You know, I'm glad that there's Filipinos, but I feel more yeah. represented by seeing people who are depressed or people who are yeah. um, <laughs> on the spectrum. Yeah, right. So <laughs> I understand. Sure. Yeah, so so that's how I felt with the uh, with Love and Mercy. I was just like, man, yeah, Cusack's performance, he really nails it, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and it, uh, this movie also hit hard for me because uh, I do have a a friend from high school who's he. I still think he's a musical genius, but he was also diagnosed with uh, schizophrenia, and. Uh, yeah, eventually caught up with him, you know. And I mean, you know, Brian Wilson is extremely fortunate that he had, you know, those hits before Pet Sounds. And I mean, you know, Pet Sounds obviously now is considered to be a classic and, you know, best-selling album. It's had so many pressings. Um, but, you know, he had that to fall back on that he had success. So even if, you know, like Smile never was fully realized um during that time, like he He's still at that. But, you know, there was this whole period where uh, the movie actually discusses it and shows a little bit of it where he just didn't get out of bed for, like, three years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you know, that is just insane to me. But also, like, you know, you can let go of a lot of things because you have money. You know? <laughs> and yeah. Your, your bills are taken care of and you have handlers, you know. But, you know, what the movie portrays is that, you know, these handlers are actually evil. Like, you know, your managers and your A&Rs and uh, specifically actually your your own uh, doctor. Like, your your um, your therapist or your psychiatrist, you know, who's brilliantly played by Paul Giamatti. Like, it's, it's a role made for Paul Giamatti, you know. Um... But yeah, it's it's this whole thing of um, uh, just that yeah, it's kind of a luxury to be depressed and also not have to worry about money. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, yeah. there's there's a certain privilege that that comes with. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and I, I also just love that whole arc of um, you know, it, it's happened time and again of like especially in music where it's uh you know pop stars who rebel against their their image and really start to make interesting work like i think of also like scott walker or even um bob dylan you know um they start moving away from what made them popular and we can even mm-hmm. say like radiohead even though you know that made them even more popular actually when they started moving away from what they started as um and yeah the yeah. bob dylan connection too is great because um uh the screenwriter who basically he came in to to fix the script uh owen moverman he also wrote the script for i'm not there which is another great biopic of of bob dylan a musical genius you know mm-hmm. um so yeah it, it's just great like i i think the idea of like approaching it as an impressionistic portrait is the way to go if you're gonna portray a genius like you can't have it like be flat and um just kind of straightforward presenting the facts. Like I like the idea yeah. that, you know, it's intercutting between the, the younger and older Wilson. And then yeah, the just that score by Atticus Ross is is a revelation. Like it cool. really is, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, well that's good because like yeah, because like it could have fallen in the trap of like the aviator where it could have looked a little bit like that. Yeah. 
Well, I actually kind of like the Aviator too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a fan well, of that movie. No, but yeah, but but or like, but like, I, I'm sure they didn't want to like just redo, you know, a, bi- a biopic mm-hmm. about someone with famous with mental illness who's rich, right? Um, and then, um, you know, and then also not wanting it to be similar to like Ray or the Johnny Cash one that came out recently. There's been just a number of mu- musician. Yeah. Well, like, Elvis, uh, yeah. Elvis, which oh, is the Elvis one, sure. yeah, which is still tops on my list. I think for the year, it's it's also oh. going to be up there. Okay. Oh man, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, yeah. I I need to rewatch it again. But that initial viewing that I saw it in, oh my god, I just had a blast. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, it's good, man. Yeah. So good. So yeah, it's funny. Yeah, you brought up Easter Sunday. I've never heard of it, and now I'm like looking at it. Yeah, and you're right. There's a part of me. It's like I'm happy it exists. Mm-hmm. Way to go! But there's a part of me that's like I don't want to watch it for some reason. Like there's a part of me that's like I'm a little like, what if I don't like it? It's like <laughs> well, you know, well, or 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 you know, it's you know, and then is it going to be a lot of the same stereotypes? Right. That you expect to be in a movie like this and is it going to be a little bit of like a bummer to be like all right well they finally put all the stereotypes in a movie uh <laughs> yeah I, I don't know yeah and like, I mean, like how do you I'm, feel I'm about, about it uh joe koi like as a stand-up comedian i mean similar similar to how mm-hmm. i just described this movie right. it's like i'm happy he's out there mm-hmm. i do like that what he's up to and i like that we have a lot of people that like we know that we'll go to and mm-hmm. see him and support him. Um, to me, the accent by itself, the Filipino accent by itself, isn't funny enough right. to like be a punchline. And I feel like from what I've seen, it's a lot of accent. It's a lot yeah. of relying on. And to me, it's like, there's, there's more than the accent. Mm-hmm. And, um, but also I get that like, it's a funny accent. And yeah. so it's like, you know, like that mixed with some good writing yeah. goes a long way. Yeah. I, and, 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 and I have no doubt that he's a good writer, but it's just, um, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't hit for me. Maybe because it's too close to home. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And it's just like, um, it's just such an easy target with the accent. Like I can't, you know, that that's already something for me. Like when I see a Filipino stand up, especially a Filipino American mm-hmm. stand up, that yeah, that becomes their focus. I'm just like, yeah, that's just an easy win. Like, and it's also I feel, you know, obviously some Filipinos find it funny, but they're they're more aiming for outsiders looking in. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, yeah, I, I, that's how I feel about Joe Koi. He's just kind of an average comedian to me. Uh, but I mm-hmm. do like that, you know, like one of the things that he did with Netflix was he, he brought out some other Filipino comedians and mm-hmm. uh, one guy that I've always kind of been a fan of. And he, he often did like uh stand up sets during um uh, the Filipino food fest, which uh, hasn't been around for a couple of years. I kind of miss it. But it's been great. Like, it used to be in Long Beach, and then they moved to downtown L.A. Um, and this guy, Joey Gila, he finally gets his break. Because I think Joey Gila is actually funnier than than Joe Coy. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, and he, yeah. He, he, he at least has, like, I think, more nuance relating to the accent. Like, you know, right. the, like, mis- in, you know, misunderstandings relating to the accent. Like, I think he, yeah. he understands it a lot better. And... um. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, the irony, though, is I think uh, Joe Coy's funniest bit does focus on accents, but not the Filipino accent. It's the one where he, you've, seen, you've probably seen this bit, where he focuses on, like, what a Korean accent sounds like or uh, what a, a Mexican <laughs> accent sounds like, you know? <laughs> I, I got to see this one. Oh, no, yeah, I got to send yeah. you a link. It's okay, been cool. clipped on, okay, cool. on YouTube. So, yeah, it's it's brilliant. Like, I, I think right, that, cool. that that's one way of, like, approaching that. But, you know, it's like using those stereotypes as a mom. But, I, I mean, I, I think also... Um, that is very inventive casting on their part that they cast Tia Carrera, who's, yeah, you know, one of those Filipino actresses that never plays a Filipino, you know. Yeah, totally. um, yeah. The next step would have actually been casting a Lou Diamond Phillips as well as a Filipino, <laughs> you know, as one of the relatives, well, yeah, maybe an uncle. It look, it looks like he's in the cast. He is. Oh man, I missed it in the trailer. Then so perfect. Yeah. So maybe he's like uh maybe yeah maybe it's he's like a an, an Easter egg in the movie. Yeah. Pops up. Maybe. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Because yeah, I don't think he's in the trailer. I I don't remember him. No, in the no, trailer. Yeah, but, he's not. Um. But yeah, you know, cautiously cool. optimistic, and it was supposed to be this thing, you know, because uh, you know, off record that we've had family over uh recently. Um, yeah. So we were actually, uh, there was kind of just discussions of like potentially having, you know, renting out a movie theater again, like we did oh, when we watched okay. um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fast and Furious um, and then watching that movie as a family, you know. Uh, but yeah, it was just like schedules didn't align. It didn't quite work out. But sure. uh, yeah, um, I'll probably have to go just watch it on my own. Oh yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, but um yeah, I'll report back next well, episode. Well, I'll watch it too. It, mm-hmm. it, it, is it is is it only in um in theaters? Uh I think right now it is, but I I think okay. they're eventually going it, it's it's going to be a quick turnaround because you know, they know that the um yeah. it's going to head straight to streaming because uh, eventually because uh um Actually, you can already rent it on Amazon for twenty bucks, oh, cool. <laughs> which is a lot. Oh wow, twenty! Yeah, that twenty dollars yeah. to rent. Yeah. Oh it wow! Just goes right, right into his pocket. Yeah, I I just looking it up too. By the way, the director is Jay uh, Chandra Chan- Shekhar. Yeah, from uh, Broken Lizard and Super yeah, Troopers. Cool. So it could be yeah. good. <laughs> I could mean, be. you know. Yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll it'll at least resemble a a comedy, like, right? Like, like it, it'll look like it'll look legit. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I definitely enjoy his. Uh, he definitely knows uh, timing, and you know, he understands how to direct comedy. Yeah. For yeah, sure. For yeah. Sure. So uh, yeah, we'll see. Cool. All right. Well, good. Okay, so I think right, that man. wraps up uh, another wow. episode, and we still like averaged our same time that we usually do we, over we, three we hours. Can't, we we can't help it; um, <laughs> it's in our nature. We're yeah. going three. Yeah. Um. So, okay, if if we're bringing this baby home, I just have a quick corrections and retractions. Okay. Corrections and retractions. All right. Um. Uh, I think it was episode 10. We were talking about Secret Admirer, the movie. Yeah. And we were trying to think of a game. We were like, was there a board game also called Secret Admirer? Mm. And and we thought of that game where it's like a phone. Yeah. 
And but I think that that phone game where you have a secret admirer and you have to figure out who it is. I think that that game is actually called Dream Phone. Oh. I don't think it's called Secret Admirer. Okay. But yeah, that's the premise. But yeah, oh, Dream Phone. Gotcha. Yeah. And then it's... and then I have a, a new segment called kind of re, a, a reversed correction. So I reversed the jingle. One second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, beautiful. So, um, on a previous again a, a, on a previous episode, I was listening. I think it was um, I don't know a more recent episode. We were trying to remember what year Cobra came out. Yeah, and I think we said 1986, and then at some point we we're like, no, I think it came out in ni- in, in in 85. And I yep. think on the pod we like said, oh yeah, that's an 85 film. I believe it actually is our our original. Our original selection of 86 is correct. Oh, wow. So, so, so we were originally right and then overcorrected ourselves. So yeah. hence, hence the okay. reverse correction. Beautiful. Yeah, and it sounds like totally out of the Black Lodge, you know, where everybody yeah. talks backwards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, nice. And then the only other kind of business I have, um, so we have a Patreon. Yes. It is at... Um, it is at movie food or patreon.com slash movie food pod. And we have a couple tiers. Um, and we have an added, um, you know, bonus. If you subscribe at our highest tier, which I believe is called the, um, so we have two tiers. We have the snake fist tier and the Eagle shadow tier. Nice. And the added bonus you get is you get a personalized jingle. Yeah. And so I wanted to play our first personalized jingle. I, I got the okay from this person that that we can go ahead and play the jingle on the air. I'm also gonna send the, this person a file so Beautiful. they can use it however they want. It is a guest of the show, friend friend of the show, Brandon Boozer. All right. Okay. So Brandon, here is your jingle. Brandon Boozer likes the Sopranos and more. All right, fantastic, man! Short so, yeah. and so, sweet. Short and sweet. Yeah. I got, I got Simpsons and Community in there. Yeah. Like Morrissey in there. You, you can hear it better on the replay, and we'll get that out to you, Brandon. Thank sure. you for supporting. Awesome. And you too can get your own personalized jingle. You sign up over on the the old Patreon.com. Yeah, yeah. And I, I actually. You just gave me an idea. Um, I'm I'm actually thinking of other tiers that maybe we can add, uh, and we'll discuss it off record. But I'm okay, hinting cool. at it that we're gonna add more features, you know. And we, again, to our Patreons, thank you for the support. It really helps us, you know, uh, pay our bills, and you know, um, yeah. definitely, we, you know, we 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 appreciate even more. So, <laughs> you yes. know, if you guys uh, sign up for it, uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely thank you yes. on the show. Give you a shout out. And um, yeah, uh, Steve, where, where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, or I'm so- on Twitter at Steve Positron, but also at Movie Food Pod. Yes. Uh, b- b- both of us have the login, so you'll never know who's <laughs> who. We kind of have plausible deniability yeah. there, which is kind of fun. Right. Uh, but yeah, you, you uh, come, yeah, come say hello mm-hmm. at, at Steve Positron. And do you also want to mention your uh, your YouTube channel? Oh yeah, YouTube channel Pit Hits. 
where I break down uh, mosh pit moments and like scenes you might see in, in a, at a concert in sort of a John Boy style breakdown. And it's a lot of fun. I'm now up over 100 subscribers. So that's been really cool to kind of see. You know, it's like I understand it's cut, it's a very niche market. And I was kind of curious, like, how many people would even be what would want to watch this? And so it's kind of fun to watch it grow. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. And you sent me that link where uh, they gave you a shout out on um, uh, what are on they? the Petros and Money yeah, show. Petros yeah, and the, Money, the, yes. The, yeah, yeah, it's, it's so a, a, po a, a popular local SoCal show, and uh, yeah, and so you've that was done, done jingles really cool. for them too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That that's kind of where the whole jingle thing started was uh, just sending them stuff. I was just a fan of that show, and then they just kind of kept encouraging Fantastic. me. And through that show, I got other avenues to kind of do more work. So yeah, it's cool. All right, yeah. And, and where can people find you? Yeah, Carlito. So I just changed everything uh, for people who didn't. Uh, here the previous episode I'm now using a handle that's universal across all platforms mm -hmm. it's Carlo Kino uh, mm -hmm. I'm also going to eventually launch uh, its own Patreon and then um, there's nice. also going to be a YouTube channel connected to it um, you, you know once you search it and it's there I'll, I'll let people know um, yeah. and Carlo Kino w w with a K yeah Carlo with a yeah. K not how my usual name is spelled but that's because yeah. somebody already took the C. So <laughs> there's always somebody. Yeah, and yeah. The, this one it, it's it's universal. But um, I also wanted to mention relating to YouTube. We're also gonna start uh, a movie food um pod YouTube channel, um, which will basically be the shows um still in audio only. But uh, you know, yeah. uh, I feel like YouTube has more of a a universal platform that you know mm -hmm. and more accessibility like you know may a lot of people might not have the yeah. apple podcast app or spotify but they definitely right. have youtube so if yeah. you want to share this show with other people or you know some people might just even discover it accidentally i think youtube is, is a good place to put it yeah. on well youtube is just an odd it's just a true oddity it's not yeah. only a great way to to see you know home videos professional videos listen to podcasts watch podcasts learn anything it's also what i've learned it's like the second maybe best search engine um <laughs> right you know obviously it's powered by google but you do it but you search it you know what's kind of a different intent in a, a, a different you know way it's a truly unique platform, and right. so I think it does make a lot, a, a lot of sense to kind of be yeah. on that, even though it's a yeah, it's a it's a whole deal over there. Yeah. So movie food coming to YouTube. Ooh, baby. Yeah, I like it. it rhymes. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Steve. Shall we call it? Let's call it. All let's, right. Let's bid the adieu. Until next time. All right. Till next time. Peace. See ya. Thank you.